Glorious bell performance getting done nice and early. I said to myself I had time to go but watch the opposition for next week. So I look at Rovers and I see a very beatable side. But yeah, honestly, I didn't see too much trouble they can bring the Daily Mount next week, especially after that Bowles performance. I think it's just going to be another handy one, so. So slick. Took courage, Mr. Mandrew. You're a natural, skillful, humble, balanced, grounded. Ah, what a moment, surround sounded by fellow jaw struck dumbfounded. Quick shoulder glance, no tackle chance, you composed yourself. From 25 yards out, you gave it the clout top corner keepers left. A screamer, a roar on par with any heard in Fibsborough before. The stuff of dreams, my spirit feels shaken to its very core. Stored I am, and warm as a most welcome stew, because of you, Danny Mandrew. So thanks, take in the chance, join in the dance, play with us. Stay with us. Embrace the romance. We've no more desire for titles. Lord Lambert will not allow. What's on the pitch plays second fiddle to the streets where we call foul. Fanatical, ungrammatical about daily mounts, botanicals. Save the nobly leaves, willow trees, refugees, nice antiquities. No more interest in ballers. Just rare out in more street stallers. Sketch here's the guy that we should all be driving riders. But electric, eclectic, skeletric, round and round, this rare old town drags me down, we'll paint it brown, like an old penny from heaven, good old Dublin 7, bang bang, it does the round, but our ground is falling down. But it's kitsch, scratch that hipster rich, forget what happens on the pitch, Lambert's made this club his bitch. We built sand castles that washed away. I made you cry when I walked away. Welcome to Tales of the East End, episode 196, and it's me, Gary P. And of course, the prop, Carl Riley. What happened to the British person? He was a great host. Shall I have? I do like that old accent, it's good crack. That was actually done out of necessity, because we didn't, we couldn't record last week. We had Sean Francis in the bank, but we had no intro done. Once so, again, you pulled it out of the bag, prop. I was just like, we need something here, so enter British person, uh, who you may remember from the Tales from the East End, <laughs> the Rise and Fall Tales from the East End, so he... He's part of Tifty's canon. One of our many uh, Tifty's universe. We're, we're more than <laughs> fucking Marvel at this stage. Uh, yeah, so of course we are sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical and get in touch with them. They actually sorted me out with a plumber, believe it or not. They are recently fucking leaking the house and uh, sent me in the right direction. Absolutely brilliant stuff. So they'll even fix your gaff with a leak in it as well. They don't just do electrical work. But why don't we have a catchphrase for them yet? We, we only have one for Lancer Credit. Shocking, isn't it? Got you back. <laughs> so, that's the credit. Yeah, of course. And if you ever need anything like the likes of security systems 
or they can look after you with a plumber or electrician or something like that and you just don't have the few bob there's the credit what have they got prof got your bags they're already so we've three games and three wins to catch up and three is the magic number so um, this week's show it's a bumper bumper one we've Pat's Dundalk and Bowes and there's an interview with Rovers community officer Tony O'Neill I met up with him with a roving uh, interview at the Roadstone and Prof Roadstone is the business lady it's much better than we've been there and we've been there it hasn't been what has it been two years maybe it's been a while since we've been there it's fucking class I think you would call this a walk and talk would you yeah that's it yeah, yeah. Gareth's gone into gone out into what we call in the business the field this is this is a field report into the field, prof. Not drinking cans in it. I, I, re- I refrained. I was able to hold back. Um, but yeah, D12 was under attack, prof, last night. The hotbed of talent. There was a blackout. And um, it was reminding me of the purge. The car alarms were going off. I was, just, I was waiting for the looting to start. I, I nearly went full Zuma on my cat. Prof is just putting chains around the bookcase. <laughs> Just in case. I'm not prepared for this. I don't have any fucking candles. So I'm there like feeling around the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lacey's at, at the top of the stairs. Nearly booed her down the thing. You do know your dog was, or your cat was loving this. Your cat's watching you stumble around, hoping you trip. Whereas the dog will probably help you up the stairs. Your cat is just looking at you going, I pray to God he falls. I reckon that was the first like long blackout in this area on this road since the 1990s because I remember one back then I remember going out on the street talking to my neighbours because she has nothing to do for an hour or two I think I know what you're talking about I'm thinking back mm. to freezes I'm probably getting mixed up with big freezes as well and Captain Drought already under attack here with these shady apartments developing towering high rise towers planning to be built in Ben Dunn's gym rats is going to be moving in behind you so all sorts going on but Kimish residents are fighting back Kimaj. Now, what's going to happen when the Kimaj residents meet the Crumlin residents? Then you're going to have a civil war in your hands. And then you're going to totally forget about the high rise that's there. And this is going to be a bloodbath between Kimaj and Crumlin. I said we join forces. We have one enemy. And that's this these apartments with their Mr. Burns-esque obstruction of the sun. It's very strange because they're actually... There's a great article in the local news. I'm here, Prop. It's the local news, South Edition, and it's they actually are burying every detail about this development. They're burying the reference numbers, the plans, everything. They don't want anyone to know about it. So check it out if you mm. can. What is it called, Prof? We'll just it's Ben Dunn, the Ben Dunn gym mm. around uh, um, me and Prof's childhood dreams, which were crushed and built upon mm. by corporate monsters. Um, so it's around there. It's where the Ben Ben Dunn original flagship gym was, and check it out because it's fucking shady as fuck, man. These developments are popping up all over Dublin now, and it, the people who are objecting to them, they're not saying they want, they do want uh, houses to be built, but it's about them being affordable. Nothing affordable about these, man. They're, these are all going to be big, high-priced, two-bed apartments in Camage, and they're they're not being they're just going to be sold like that. I mm. think they're looking for two six fifty for a two-bed unit, so certainly not affordable. Now, if you actually look at the, the plan. Everything about it is a disaster. Invasion of privacy for the residents. Fuck all parking. Won't be affordable. It's horrible. One exit in, no exit out. Like one, mm. Only one way in, one way out. But yes, we move on to our chocolate fix for the week, Prof. We are now eating chocolate bars. Twin Peaks, right? I don't know. I think I just stumbled across it. If I, if I see something I've never eaten, I'm getting it. I'm looking <laughs> at it and I go, I'm going to eat that. 
<laughs> so I picked them up a euro each in deals I'm going to hit up deals for a sponsor Prof tell us about them well I think you would call us a budget Tolberon they're only a euro whereas unbelievable what will a Tolberon set you back seven or eight quid or something e- now for one of the big Tolberons easy hit, hit you for a tenner what did we get we got mm. the regular one we got the fruit and nut and they're absolutely outrageous I haven't tried the fruit and nut I, I think I might give that back to you because I don't think I'm going to like that <laughs> I'll take it back, no problem. <laughs> you were saying Talborone actually sued this crowd. They actually did. That's why they were out of production mm. for two years. They sued them. They won the case and now they're back. Was it just because of the colour of the packaging? Literally because of the shape. The shape of the chocolate. Because they were pyramid shapes. I yeah. noticed now they're kind of like a half pyramid so it's like and a then a flat <laughs> and then another half pyramid. <laughs> That's what they did. They did. Yeah. They took a couple of chunks off. So they made it, it wasn't all, all triangles all the way. Well, yeah, yeah now that is our recommendation for chocolate for this week. Check them out. Cup of tea. Yeah, so like you said at the top of the show, we've got three games to review, and it's quite rare that it works out this way, where we've got a triple header review, and we won all three games. Normally it's kind of like, you lose one of them, and then we have to go back in time to how we were feeling then, but in this case, it's just momentum. I'm going to look back on this moment now, I guarantee it, in a couple of weeks, and we're going to say this was a big moment in the season, these three games, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, some reaction to our last couple of shows with Sean Francis last week and Mick Neville and Robbie Murphy the week before. It was noticed that Sean Francis kept asking, do we remember? And we were <laughs> nodding the head, nodding. Yeah, yeah, you remember that one, yeah? Yeah, yeah that did get awkward after a while. Prof's like, but we, I'm, shut up! <laughs> shut up, Prof! We should have just said to him, look, we weren't there, right? Um, You didn't know he was a brummy. I had no idea. Until you came in. I had no idea. I thought ginger, pale bloke, urge. Presume, presumed or Sean is Hall. he a posh brummy because he, does, he doesn't sound like you know fucking small heat brummy possibly sounds a bit posh yeah someone called him Sean Hoare on Twitter when I put up the picture <laughs> yeah, of him looking yeah. dapper in the suit uh, or Paul Feeney that was another show <laughs> <laughs> or any random yeah. ginger person with a beard you just kept a- in, you just kept asking many variations of the same question basically how much did you drink you just found You're seven tr- ways of asking trying that. Trying to get it out of them. <laughs> like, I think you need to give them a drink. But there's stories there. There is. There's stories there mm. that they won't tell. They might tell if we have a few drinks on them. They might ruin we'll teammates. Get, we'll get them. Yeah, we'll get them eventually. Uh, I got the Cove book, by the way. The, the centenary one that he, he mentioned. that he, His picture wasn't in and he wasn't happy about it. Ah, good stuff. Um, he liked the ep- He said he listened back to the episode. And he said a fantastic epilogue. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, do you know what? I've never been so sad to have a guest leave my house. I I wanted to go for a pint with him. Yeah. I wanted to talk about coffee. Yeah. And I don't even care that much for it. Well, he's into it, you know what I mean? I'm now looking for in- yeah. Ethiopian coffee beans at the minute. He was really good, Greg. I enjoyed that interview. And there was one question that got left on the, the cutting room floor. It was from Graham Gartland. <laughs> but what, what happened was he didn't he didn't recognise the question and I should have given him a clue and I forgot the clue so then I texted him afterwards I got to do with Sean Dillon remember so, that yeah he drew yeah. a blank so he filled Sean Dillon so here's what he said happened he said I was pretending to do a crossword and I piped up asking if anyone knew a name for a postman's bag so after a few guesses from the lads Dillo Asks how many letters, and I said fucking loads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! How do we not know that? We were from us. Oh, that's class. 
Oh yes. We can't. We can. We can never use that now. No. Because we've just ruined it. We're gonna have to use it in work or something. But there we go. Perfect setting. So Ian Tracy said, great to hear Doiky on the podcast. A great man brought gangs of us from the flats to the RDS every week. Organised for all of us to do ball boy for the games. And you had to put your work in chasing those balls if it went wide or over. Yeah, Doiky, that's uh, John Doyle's nickname. And we had Phelan. Great to hear Mick and Robbie Murphy. He wore yellow shorts, however, at Celtic Park, not orange. With royal blue trim, blue shorts and socks. So I think the royal blue was what irked the Celtic faithful. But great reminiscing from Mick and Robbie and... Fantastic stuff out of uh, Phelan and Prof. We have a little bit of a musical thing coming on in the next couple of months, weeks. Phelan's agreed to jump on board. So anyone who plays an instrument, get in touch with us. Let us know. We are going to have uh, a very creative Tifties episode coming up soon. Can I put out a more specific request? Yes. Because there's a few guitar players and a few DJs. DJs. If anyone plays an unusual instrument, or maybe your friend is who's a Rovers fan, and doesn't listen to the podcast. Just something on you, like a violin or tin whistle fucking, or whatever. What's that thing you put in your mouth? <laughs> the fucking stack, not the saxophone. The fucking harmonica. Yeah. The harmonica, yeah. I Get want someone touch. playing that. So I want something a bit odd. So, yeah, um, Mick and Robbie got a, a lot of great feedback, actually. Just in person, like, people kept coming up being saying to me they enjoyed it. And that they, they were a good blend of player and fan. I always liked that combination. Yeah. Robbie Murphy, by the way, a Rangers fan. Did am I right in saying we didn't grill him on this? Did you not grill him on this? I wasn't aware, but that was the problem. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Not not a fake one like um, George Byrne. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah. That was just pure wind up. And if you notice the picture we use in the podcast, uh, the fucked Hulka one, the banner. Uh, some familiar faces in that photograph. You got James Cook. Had a hair on him, honey. Yeah, Kevin McGlone. He was actually holding the flag. You got Jim Conroy's big mop of hair in the photo as well, and Sean McNulty. So all hoops, current hoops, still knocking about, still knocking yeah. about the Tallis Stadium. And we've uh, Peter Callahan Skeeter on uh, Twitter. He said, very enjoyable listening. On his honeymoon, he said, with a picture of the poolside in Italy, I think he's in Sorrento. And a good looking hoop is Skeeter. So a uh, mm. big shout out and congrats on your wedding and your honeymoon. And hopefully you enjoy it. Still hasn't popped his Tifty cherry on the bus though, Puff. We have to get him on. Have to. Uh, Paul Feeney Parson sorting people out For Tolka tickets On the, the day The day Despite not being able To go himself Legend uh, Like I said <laughs> It was just It's just a small little thing I could do Like And even similar Like I said I had a bit of a fucking mental week So I couldn't get out the bows either Doing the same again Because if I can't If I can't get there I'll help someone out You know I compared I'm you a, I have a competitor though I have Ray Whelan to compete with oh, Who is yeah. the king of the tickets <laughs> I compared you to Roy Keane In the 1999 Champions League Semi-final <laughs> Against Juventus, just a selfless act. Best comparison ever. <laughs> and with more heroics from me and Tada uh, for the, the pass game. Um, as in, on the day of the pass game, sorting out Bose tickets, racing around Tada, you were presumably in a pair of flip flops. Like the ones I'm in now, I will be buried in them. Don't call them sliders. Don't call them sliders, yeah. Now I was up with Tony in the Roadstone, and then they just said that. Listen, you have to actually physically come and collect these tickets, balls, rack, the bollocks with the allocation. So just put it out there. Says anyone wants me to collect it, revolute me. I'll be in Tala later on, might as well. So listen, it helped a couple of people out. I just have a very important question. Uh, the Tony O'Neill interview. <laughs> what were you wearing? <laughs> was it the flip flops? <laughs> Do you own a pair of shoes? Anyway? I was wearing flip flops, yeah. <laughs> very cash. Um, 
Yes, so yeah, Eamon on the forum. He says, has Andy Lyons' song to the Bob Marley tune of Iron Zion, the bows are crying over lions, he's flying. That's a great tune, in fairness. Yeah. Bows used it for their jersey launch as well. And that's one that of, song, did they? Yeah, yeah, I'm nearly sure it was. Yeah. They're all, lion in Zion. <laughs> really, really good fucking song. And good. You, you never know, it could get it going. It's a good choice using a Bob Marley song. Um, Swimmer Hoop on the forum. He says, uh, can't say enough about the podcast, lads. Brilliant again with the Milltown team. You know, we like our teams, Gar. Yep. By the way, the forum link, I don't think we've actually called it out, maybe ever, but uh, weareroverspro-boards.com. So That's weareroverspro-boards.com. And Let's bring it back, Prof. I don't, think, I don't know if we mentioned this in the podcast before. Possibly did at the time. But remember, Brazzer was linked with MK Dons. Yes. Uh, apparently they were they were discussing Bradzer on their forum like oh who is this guy and no way who are robbers are they a big club or whatever and someone posted in their forum oh they they must be a small club because they have no forum presence oh my god so they deduced that we were absolute nobodies because we only had a little forum this is the club that just were formed 20 years ago (laughs) in the middle of fucking nowhere Middle of Milton Keynes. How many? How big are farms now? Anyway, like just what a mad. I remember. Pa- I remember my brother, Yeah, like it's ridiculous. Like it just shows you how disillusioned some of those fans can be. Mm. I remember going to see them in the AUL. Brother-in-law was playing four balls, and they were playing them in pre-season. Alan Smith was playing for them up front. Do you remember Alan Smith? Did he go to, at the end of his career? I'm nearly it? sure he did. hundred. Yeah, he was. He was playing up front for them. But they had a few fans over with them, so I was kind of standing next to them. And I was like, so, how long how long you following the club? <laughs> <laughs> oh, following years, mate. Hey, yeah. Since, like, what, 2009, is it? <laughs> From the beginning. <laughs> From the beginning. What, all five years ago? But, um, yeah. So, yeah, our, no. so our podcast recently had been quite long. There was one complaint, wasn't there, Gar? About, about the length of the podcast. But It's not a problem that we usually... In- encounter problems with length but no I knew, I knew we'd go there but what we did was we, we've been putting them well Fra- Sean Francis was out on his own McNeville and Robbie Murphy put that at the end so my thinking is kind of like you get your regular podcast and say you don't get time to finish it you can pause it go to the match listen to the interview the weekend or something like that so yeah. it breaks it up I, was, I think that's really good because mm. like you said you get the regular stuff and then you're like oh little Booster at the end, Sean Francis. I oh, listen to that later. Uh-huh. I'm a fucker for forgetting where I am. Like I think if SoundCloud mm-hmm. is a is an awful fucking app for that, it doesn't leave you back on where you were listening to. Spotify is fine, but anywhere anywhere yeah. else, sometimes I'll get lost. Having said that, today's show undoubtedly will be very very long. Oh yes, <laughs> we oh, haven't yes. even started reviewing the matches sure. yet. Listen, all the Sligo goers will be happy. Anyone in the cars will be happy enough. And actually, we actually won't have time listening. On the way to Dago. I reckon it could be three. Two and a half, three hours. Oh, this show will 100%. <laughs> won't, people won't get a chance. Be longer than the <laughs> they'll, listen to on, they'll be listening to on the way home as well. Yeah. So then we have Glenn Dunn. Glenn Dunn. Friend of the show. Listen to the show this week and Mick Neville saying about the centre forward attacking the back post because of the defenders covering the front and middle of the goal. Gaffney attacked the back post and gets the winner last night versus Pats. Another assist from the podcast. Ooh. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Giggsy Handy says, Hey, Stampo, well done. Gary, have a bovril. 
not yet, but we'll uh, we'll have some Barvel content a bit later on. We do, of course, the Magic Jim Conroy mm-hmm. talking about Barvel. We still haven't had one. We're gonna have to have one eventually, Prof. Can, here, here's the thing: can you dip stuff in it? Because if it's a beefy drink, I'm guessing you can dip something in it. You know, like a fucking hot dog or something. Um, Saw some fella on Twitter dipping a hot dog into his beer. Nearly fucked the phone out the window. Well, I don't want to see that footage. Well, you can, if but, surely uh, if it's a beefy drink, you can dip something in it. You know what I mean? Get you, back to us. You need to consult Bob Roll expert Jim Conroy in this <laughs> yeah, yeah. dipping. So we're going to move on, Prof, to the game. And the first one of tonight, it's the Pats 1-0 win at Talent on Good Friday. So Pico and Cavo in the fourth start of the season. 73 minutes in and our rings end Rover. 73 uh, minutes in the tank. In the tank. Man, the match for me, by the way. I'm just get that out of the way straight off the bat. I was surrounded by Rings End alumni, so I'm guessing that might have had a little influence on me, but he was absolutely brilliant. Pigo got the award, but yeah, I would go along with that. That Cavo. Actually surprising by how they didn't deal with him. He just run him up. So good. You give him space, that's what's gonna happen. You don't double up on him, he's gonna he's gonna do that to you. I but, like I don't I can't remember if we have a quote here from Staff, but uh Staff kind of broke down the differences between Cavo, Frugia and Lions. And I'm fascinated by that. They do different things. As in, like, one might cut in or one might be more direct. Cavo's football ID trumps them all, mm. in fairness. His football IQ, sorry. Football IQ trumps every one of them. Cavo still gets in for me, I think. And Ryan's on the le- on the right, hopefully, eventually. But How cool is that? Like, three left wing-backs have really different attributes. Really different. You have... Let's let's see if I'm getting them what Staff is saying. You've got Frugia, direct. Runs at people. Goes down the line, tries to whip it in. Cavo would be more of a cultured left wing back who he can pick out a pass. Pick out a pass, absolutely brilliant. And then you have a marauding, rampaging winger slash making these direct runs everywhere, creating space lines. So many options, so many options. Yeah. So yeah, Berkey missed all three of these games. Hit a calf. And injury. the funny thing is, we were talking about this. This is nuts because we were saying about how Berkey was undroppable. During this that period before he got injured before the Pats game, oh, he was first name of the team. First sheet. name of the team sheet, and now he can't get in. Borky doesn't get in my team. It's mental. Now Danny's the first. Well, Danny and Jack. You could argue Lions actually. Lions. But, but uh, we're, we're flying. Jack. Dan, yeah. Danny's undroppable, and Tell has been brilliant the last few weeks. So, Dylan Watts is very unfortunate. Mm. Um, Prof getting scores right again. I got the on. score right again, Gar. I actually said one nil for this game. That's two out of three. I'm telling you, what did we say? We should put a bet on it. I think that's my record for the season now, too. Because scorecasts, scorecasts is when you predict the score, isn't it? No no goal score. If we just go for the score, you're going to get four or fives every time. I think we should give it a go. I did say 4-1 for Dundalk. I was way off with that, but I had a stats reason for that unusual scoreline. And I'll explain that later on. Um, This was a sell-out game. It was, it was announced kind of before kickoff, wasn't it? I think it was. Just about sold out. I think at one stage there was like 20 tickets left. So it was sold out. And did you notice the stats came out recently? About It was on an Extra Time article. Comparing attendances around the league. And when you compare what it is at the moment, 12 games in, it's a 25% increase. And go further back than that, it's a 40% increase on 2018, Ooh. 56% increase on 2017. Even Pat's attendance went up, Gare. Did you see their 2016 attendance? St. Pat's. 950 in 2016 was their attendance. So bad. Their crowds have never gone up for no. any, even when they won the league, it didn't go up. Remember that? 
That was huge. We, they actually had a poor attendance on the fourth game back as champs in Richmond. But the big thing we were talking about is was the collective. We got into a bit of a spat online with a Twitter a Twitter troll talking about the FAI taking credit for all the attendances going up. And I was like, no, this is like unofficially and officially a collective of people who are mm. going forward and bringing the club forward on their own back. I said, this has nothing to do with the FAI whatsoever. That was some Irish league fan up north. Wasn't yeah, it? absolutely nothing got to do with the FAI. They don't deserve yeah. any credit for our attendances. And have you mm. looked at the 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22? Every time there's an increase. We're the only mm. one. We're the only one that has increased every single year. Yeah, ours some like, have gone up, some have gone down. Three, four, five, it goes up per year it's on average. Class. <laughs> but um, yeah, and that's it. That's our table of our own increase. It was brilliant. So, so we Matt Yodell, prof. He said this after the club announced that the Southstown was sold out. He said, genuinely believe some Rovers fans wait till this tweeted to go looking for Southstown tickets and they've been on sale for a week, mad buzz. It is, that is the truth though. It is because they'll be thinking, ah, I get one. But then when, obviously, it's the hot ticket. Hot ticket in town, everybody wants to go. All of a sudden, oh, I want to go now because it's sold out. That's what happens. It does feel, <laughs> it feels instant though. The tweet goes up and then you open the Rovers shot and it's like, and he sells down spares. Get out of the club. So you had weeks for fuck's sake. And uh, we had Tipperary hoops. Yeah, Killian got his. Well, he didn't get his flag back. He got a brand new one off Flagman and Mark Lynch. So big shout out to them. And Flagman, a captain's role alumni legend as well. Prof, the hotbed of talent. Producing flags, producing podcasts, mm-hmm. producing beers. We're doing the lot. He's a, he's a good captain's role man. So if you do need him. Let us know. We'll, um, Didn't he give us a sneaky free flag? He gave us not every time. He gave us two. Every time he gave us two free flags. So we have replacements for both, which we probably need. And do we know we're in the mirror right now? Yes. One. Jaden. Jaden took one. Jaden's got got green and white stripes painted on his wall. Right. Took me fucking <laughs> hours. Me and Lar. But his white wall was starting to get a bit dirty. I was thinking, what do I want to do with that? And he took my flag and he says, why don't we pin this up? So I just hammered it in. Covers the whole wall perfectly. The time dedicated to hoops one. Oh, so there's yeah. two in Jenny Blues, there's one two in Whitehead. So he's slowly getting hooked, prof. So uh, yeah, the walk. Um, I couldn't make it on this one. I overspent with Tony in the Roadstone, which was really worth it. So you listen to that soon. But yeah, my my work hours have changed, which has been great for having to point before games. Like th- these last three games have been the first time. I think maybe Sligo as well. Although everybody that was a public holiday. But I've been actually able to go, go home, go up to the game early, have a point. Even Talca, Daily Mount, I was able to get into town. So that's been nice. The social but, life is rocketing, yeah. prof. But this walk was far now. That was that was a bit early. I couldn't quite make that. But uh, some Milltown players uh, involved. You got the Burns, John Cody did it. Looking at the footage, someone wore a Celtic jersey for some reason. Enough said on that. Um, did you see the kind of photos you got the yeah look the, everybody was holding the banner yeah, yeah. Uh, Arla Stafford said she had the company of Forky for a good 5 of the 10 kilometres and I was like that was just Forky talking for 5 kilometres how was that experience yeah. Forky talking for 5 kilometres <laughs> uh, Mark Turner said he'd do the walk if we stopped at every pub on the way but it would take hours oh hello <laughs> The 12 pubs of Rovers. 12 pubs of Rovers. It's not a bad show. You can yeah. start, well, the mill race is closed. You can start in the drop and well. The, oh, yes, that's that's not a bad show. That's not a bad show. And then I did something un- unintentionally comical. 
I just happened to arrive at the stadium at the exact moment this group arrived. <laughs> so you joined in as if you were on the walk? And I didn't even register me. And I was just walking and they were all slagging me. I was like, you weren't on that walk. You're not even tired. Like, we can see you sneaking in. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was like wiping my brow. I was like, oh, jeez, where's, where's me Milltown 35 button badge? You've earned this. But I didn't quite have the neck to get in the, the group photo. That would have been pushing it. Again, some kind of irritating irritating things going on with match day experience. Like the Milltown Walkers were turned away from the bar. Fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, surely that should have been arranged beforehand. But the Milltown Walkers go can go straight to the bar. I didn't know that. So there's like there's little things that we can we can do better. You know. That's bad form. Bit of communication, that sort of thing. Exactly. <coughs> and. Um, yeah, I see one gentleman has been losing the rag lately on Robert's chat. One? <laughs> About, uh, you know, how can we how can we do the 899 bar better? You know, because it's not full. But then again, we can't let season ticket holders in. We can't fit 3,000 people in the bar. Uh, so, I don't know. Hopefully some happy medium we can, we can find. Why don't we just say everyone can come in and see what happens? <laughs> We did it for the Play of the Year Awards. <laughs> that was grand. Even though we can't breathe. Yeah. Yeah, so then we had the Wax Milltown Model Girl. Ah, oh, fantastic stuff. And a big shout out from Dan McDonald as well. Tip of the cap from Danny Mac. And this is unbelievable stuff. And I believe that you experienced the Wax uh, other um, hobby as well recently. Oh, man. I don't, honestly don't have time to go Please into this. Please tell me, did he wear the hat? He stopped just short of wearing the conductor's hat, but he showed me his train sets, which he'd spent 25 years building up in the attic. He's built them himself. And the gas bar was, I had Aaron Green with me, because um, I, was, I was filming him for the documentary. You know, like Aaron, This this long-awaited interview that was never going to happen. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, like Aaron's from Tala, his son plays with the academy, so he kind of fits in with the narrative towards the end about where the club is now. And it was a kind of a past meets present so you had like Aaron looking at the model of Milltown, the whack reminiscing about Milltown. So mm. it was actually quite it was quite nice the footage we got. And then at one stage Wack just said Like, Do you know what I do? I, I build trains. Yeah, like, come on, you'll never see this again, let's go. Upstairs we went to the <laughs> attic. And Aaron's reactions were just comical. Like there was three trains that took off at separate stages. The first one takes off, second one takes off. And then you just see the third one start and Aaron's like Fuck off. <laughs> you made this. So Wax is yeah. there with the hat. And is he pulling the... Is he doing the imaginary choo-choo no, with his got, arm? He's got a remote control and he's just got... A, it's just madness. He's hooking all this up. So he's making these trains, hooking them all up with electrics. Fucking unbelievable. That's not even the funniest part. It's all the little details around the place. He's built little like towns and people. And he's like, oh yeah, over there, there's a funeral. Poor fella had a heart attack <laughs> two weeks ago. That's the pub there, the local. Bouncer's yeah. a prick. Over there in the car, I see a father and son fishing. So, all sorts going on. Uh, Robbo filled in for Gareth and commentary for this one, Prof. He did, yeah. Um, Twitter said they were up in the crow's nest. Oh, I like I'll, that. I'll have to use that phrase. Prof's perch in the crow's nest. Next time we interview Con and Gertz. Uh, Milton, Con- oh, go on. 
Yeah, Colin had um, Phelan Warren for Milltown Memories. That was LOITV pre-match. Excellent stuff, yeah. Phelan, another f- friend of the show. Any fan notes as well, Prof? Yeah. Uh, remember our Tiffy's hotline? The purple jersey got a few mentions. So I noticed Brian McKenna, Green Blood, wearing the purple jersey. That was that had to be on purpose. Um, I went to pay for my program. You know, you know Kieran, Ross, yes. Ross Common Hoops. On the uh, fourth person you see when you enter in the suite. Yeah, yeah. And I reached for my phone because um, I had like I had a fiver tucked in there somewhere, and I took out my cards. Go on. Maybe out of habit, I don't know. And he was like, "Oh, we don't have the facility for the cards." And I was like, "Hang on, Kieran, maybe get with the times because." I paid for my burger at Talca Park with a card. Oh, maybe we should. That happened. And I think we can actually sort that out. Milner, I think one of our very own Tifty's mm. bogies, he could sort mm. them out with a card machine. Mm. So there you go. There is a bit of trouble, obviously, with the card. You know, there's a charge and all that stuff. So it's it's not as straightforward as it sounds. Um, My favourite part, probably the whole evening, was when Jim Conroy came up to me, right? <laughs> and he goes, Where, Where's Gary? And I was like, uh, I don't know, he's, he's not here yet, he'll be here soon. And he, he just turns to me and he goes, I've never met him, what's he like? Yeah, what was your response? <laughs> what's he like? What's he like? I was like, oh, he's a nice chap, I suppose. Sit down the back of the activities bus there on the way to Harps, <laughs> that's the best way. Yeah, so, here's a new song now. Oh, it's like, on. um... Oh yeah, 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 yeah! It has it mentions all of them. Mentions yeah, Bowes, Pats, Shelburne, they always run. Uh, I'm even th- forgetting the one I like. Yeah. Oh no, the Tala La 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 one is, is the one that I love. Yeah. La 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 La. That gets me up. That gets yeah. me pumped. But this one tends to keep going for a while. That's I, that's what you want, though, isn't it? I noticed these two home games, especially, was being sung a lot. Mm. So onto the match itself, care. So the first half hour. Very little of note. I actually have my own notes here, Prof. Well, that's not understatement, Megar, because literally nothing happened in this yeah. very ter- 30 minutes. Nothing yeah, happened. I'll show you. Um, we, well, was, there was a pat, there was a Rory Gaffrey torn and shot in the 10th and 11th minute. Danny had a shot blocked as well. Uh, Cavo had good build-up play. I was very, very happy with Cavo. And just, the, just mm. his presence in the team as well. The way he was building play up. And he's given space, and you could tell he's got so much potential and ability to play fantastic football. And you're just looking at him going, I hope he doesn't break down again. But he was he was absolutely brilliant. There was a penalty show in the 29th minute as well. It led to our penalty show. led to a good sh- chance for them as well. Yeah, was this Danny, I think? It was yeah. kind of a bit of a shoulder charge, really. Apparently it was a penalty. But all around, you know, as you're, as you're in the fucking block X and you're chatting away, and... Someone made a good point is that Danny will rarely get penalties because he's seen as a diver to the refs. Mm. And I see him as the type of person that goes down easy, unfortunately. He goes down a little bit easy. So that's what he's being labelled as. But it led to a good chance that Billy King, uh, he had a good shot, Doyle missed the rebound. and um, That was actually a terrible miss. A terrible miss. It, yeah. it was, the goal was gaping. In fairness, that ball for Danny for the penalty we're talking about, that was a stunning through ball for Jack. So Jack, even though by his standards and by compared to Dundalk and Bowes where mm. he was excellent he was quite in this game but he did have two or three flashes of brilliance yeah so we're getting there yeah so that like Pats had the best chance of the half but then the second half they offered nothing whatsoever they didn't trouble our goal um, uh, we have to talk about the, the double block the double block was fucking brilliant Pico was involved in it 
Pico and Grace. Grace. I yeah. don't remember Pico, but that was absolutely unbelievable. Putting their bodies in the line, yeah. I love that. I, I just love seeing that. It's more like I was a defender mm. growing up. I that love was, it. It's, it's like a goal to me. That was the hit us in the break, wasn't it? Brilliant. And Dara Burns shot. And uh, he had the double block. So we got in at halftime. Uh, hold on, hold on. We're not talking about Rocket Man here. Rocket Man is a very, very welcome addition to the South Stand. Is this the hot dog guy? Got myself a hot dog. Me and Lara. We were nearly eating it from, like, fucking Lady in the Tramp. One on each side. <laughs> she, she didn't like mustard. I don't know what's wrong with her. I like mustard on my hot dog. But it was deadly. So fucking Rocket Man's gone around selling hot dogs. Next thing I want. Do you ever see those things that shoot out t-shirts? Oh, yeah. And they go, Foo! That's what I want. So I'd be like, how are you over? He's over in, like, Zed. I'm in X. <laughs> and you just go, Foo! <laughs> you catch the hot dog. Was that mentioned on the podcast last week? Something about firing t-shirts. Oh God, I don't know. Um, I don't think they can do it. I think it's a light insurance thing. Someone might get it in the face. This this was he's so he's such a big grin on his face as well all the time. <laughs> I just I love this guy, and he goes he goes right up to block X apparently. Uh, so great service. Does he actually go around saying hot dogs? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully so. <laughs> You're putting my kids to college. <laughs> Yeah, so half time, everyone does their own thing there. You might get a hot dog. Uh, I'd usually get a cup of tea in the Glenmore Uh But of course, the most famous half time tradition, as we know, is Bovril. Mm. And we put out on the podcast there that we had never had a Bovril. And of course, Jim Conroy heard this and he inevitably sent me pictures of programs with Bovril advertisements. He sent me voice notes about Bovril. So, we're going to play Jim now. Hi, Carl and Gary. You keep mentioning Bovril lately. Bovril, I don't think he's realised, is an important part of League of Ireland history. Fans of the 60s and 70s, fans who went to the league games in the 60s and 70s, survived on a diet of Bovril and crisps. I have two stories to, to, to tell about, uh, about, about kind of in relation to Bovril. The first concerns Drumcondra Football Club, who, uh, who were our real uh, north side Dublin rivals. And after they won the league in 1965, they, they went into decline before their eventual demise in 1972. But the standard of their Bovril was, was just just the top of the league for every season no one could touch the the the, the bovril uh, made by by Duncondra football club in fact that was the place to go for your for your bovril and crisps was talca park gladly as well home farm and shelburne kept up that tradition in the old tea room in the stand at talca park right into the early 1980s happy memories as a young hoop enjoying Join me, Bravel and Talca Park, especially on many's a cold winter's night watching watching uh, Leinster Senior Cup matches. I'd, I'll always associate uh, the Leinster Senior Cup with, with, with Bovril and Talca Park. The second Bovril story kind of is a, a few years later in, in Milltown. Robbie Murphy mentioned it last last week of the podcast when we used to sell the programs. We used to sell the programs, the Sporters Club, uh, before the before the games at Milltown. Now we were playing we were playing Home Farm in a match one day. I think it was against, I think it was against Home Farm. I'm not 100 percent sure. 
And the idea was was let known that anyone who bought a program would be given a free a free, a free bovril. So, of course, people they could envisage a cup of hot steaming bovril. So, like people came full of expectation, but it wasn't quite like that. They were <laughs> everyone who bought a program was given a sachet that contained bravo, and the idea was that they'd go home after the match and, and make it at home themselves, so as to warm them up after after a cold after afternoon watching the game watching the game at Milltown. But as I say, it was quite funny, and there was a full page advert ad, advert in the program and all advertising the product as well. But as I say, the um. I think the fans and and the people selling the problems, which I was one of them, and Robbie and the lads, we we all had a good laugh about it. And but I think I think we won the game that 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 day as well. I think we won three or four deals. So so everyone was happy at the end of the day. Okay, thanks thanks very much for let for let me just mention. Bovril and 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 it's 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 great association with the with the history of, of the League of Ireland. Thanks and keep on hooping. Yeah, so that's Jim and Bovril. We have we not had this yet? I don't know. Is it just a bit before our time? It is, but it's like it's just not something that's popular. We'll have to give it a bash. We have to give Bovril a bash. Um, bottles, prof. Pats fans throwing bottles at our players. No mention of that ever since. Considering we. Uh, that's strange. We ate our own children in Daily Mount. <laughs> uh, second half, we were out trying to break them down, and really, really good time for a goal, Prof. This, this goal, right, and this cross. We got a bit of luck. You got a little bit of luck with the initial kind of the ball kind of bobbled to Danny, and this ball in the second he put it in, I just went ah. As Brazzer says, this is not even a ball or a cross. This is a pass. He passed this ball. Onto Gaffney's forehead. I think it's the equivalent of probably your wife sitting in front of you and feeding you steak. <laughs> Just going, now, open up. Here's the airplane. Yeah. That was the, it was the equivalent of being fed your dinner. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was so accurate. Rory just had to nod at home. He couldn't possibly miss. And he did the downward header again. He's fond of it. Mm. Remember the one, that tablet, tablet, tablet? James Tablets, <laughs> James Tablets. Uh, remember the one that he saved, the really good save in Tallet as well, so he is yeah, fond yeah. of an L downward header. And credit to the ref, actually he did well to play the advantage, because Tell was fouled in the build-up to that. It was a blatant foul as well. Yeah. One of those ones where he goes over him. So in terms of like very few chances in this game, in the 90 minutes, Like other than that, we had a couple of half chances from corners, he had a glancing header from Grace... Rowan and Danny nearly got in on goal at one point, but yeah. there was nothing clear cut really after that. So you could say we we ground out a one 0 win here, but we were we were the better team, and Pats didn't lay a glove on us I in that would, second half. I would say I'd say toothless from Pats. It was um, it was t- it was terrible. They really and they're starting to struggle now. Doyle doesn't look sharp. I like I like um, I like Burns. I think he's a good player. Um, King was decent enough. Your man O'Reilly in the middle didn't do much. I um I do like Joe Redmond, good player. But other than that, man, they're not great. They're not great at all. They came and they didn't mm. land the glove, like you said. But we still had to defend well and see out the game. Yeah, that's part and parcel of the game. We're gonna need some of these. When you say defend well, I think it was structured. It yeah. was structured defending and it was organized. 
we didn't have any major no. saves or blocks to make. It was really well organised defending, and they couldn't break us down. It was, it was class, to be honest. Probably actually, Jack probably had the best chance, but and the keeper saved it, but it was a comfortable save because Jack didn't catch it properly. And it's been a few times this season where I've been like, why isn't Jack shooting more? So I feel like there might be a goal coming for Jack. We've already had a cracker, haven't we? Yeah, on the, in the edge of the box, yeah. Um, yeah, Dylan Watts got Will Smitted. I was going to say that uh, to you. How do we pronounce this? Smitted or Smithed? Smitted. Smithed. The noise off of this slap was something. Now, I can't remember who hit him now, but... Um, so, so no chances for Brazzer made some substitutions to keep people happy. Uh, fresh legs, Gare. Chris McCann is now the man of 10 minutes. <laughs> Zinedine McCann, the last sub of the game is attacking player off, Chris McCann on, shored up. Well, this was actually his first appearance of the season. Yeah, but he's in the coming, I think he came on three times in the last three games, possibly. Mm. He might have came on in Dundalk, Bowes and Pats. We'll talk about it soon. Yeah. Um, Great picture of Gaffney celebrating his goal with the ball boy. And again, this ball boy was a star. Absolute legend. Goalkeeper gone mad at him at one point because he wouldn't give him the ball. <laughs> and He'd realistically, like, what's the ref going to do? <laughs> Send him off. <laughs> like, come on. And Gerard, the, the Twitter account we've all been waiting for, Southstan Ball Boy. Oh, it's, it's here. It's live. Let's get him. Let's get him viral. Um, seven four two four attendance prof sell out sold out. So whatever we could sell, we sold, and it's a uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant to see. And we're getting there, prof. We're getting there. It still surprises me though every time. Aside from balls, and beside from <coughs> when we win league, when we sell out, I'm like, oh wow, I wasn't expecting that. It still feels new to me. You know what I mean? Brilliant though, great feeling, and even like especially against Dundalk or Pat, sorry, the Diet Dublin derby. We're thinking to ourselves, this is good. We're getting, we're going places. Other fan notes. Uh, Jake said, "Seen it all now. The cheap imitation of Rocketman the cell stand. The neck of him. You leave Rocketman yeah. alone." I have my notes here. I can't remember what this was about or who said it, but there was a random guttural show of greener. Oh, that's a great word, isn't it? Guttural. <laughs> I just I don't know it made me laugh I don't know what it was about but it was hilarious performances we uh, we, we both felt Cavo was a man of the match yeah. Pico was excellent though eventful couple of weeks for Pico getting breaking his hand on international duty getting Covid came back for this game Um. and Cavo like I mean that was his first start of the season it was his first start since a 1-0 win away to draw the last August with the Aaron Green winner remember that quiz question you got yeah. wrong <laughs> so to play that well having not started well, did he do a bit of trickery in front of the stand in front of the, or was that I think that was, that was the Derry. Derry or was that Dundalk last season no this season there was, he did a little bit of trickery oh he did he did twice actually yeah. it was both in front of the dugout yeah was that this game yeah. or was the was I think it was no it was this game it was, yeah. it was it was Pats one of them <laughs> One of them was brilliant, right on the touchline, and then he just gave the ball away straight <laughs> away. Just like, oh, like oh, that's actually uh, noise that you hear. Yeah, I hate that. But um, Stafford's observation rings end, staunch rings end man, Mark or uh, Kieran Stafford. As good as lines as being cutting inside makes it so much easier for teams to defend space against us. Cavo was absolutely excellent at zinging balls inside, but was also very deft 
with his channel balls and uh, that's actually very observed of, mm-hmm. of staff and I totally agree I think Cavo gives us such a different dimension on that left hand side mm-hmm. with dangerous balls into the box that someone with that type of technique can only execute he's absolutely stunning mm-hmm. with the ball at his feet just just like a Rolls Royce of a footballer you know he's carving he's like fucking Michelangelo just painting and carving and <laughs> renaissance art at its best I mean, we're we're building up Cavo here, but we're about to review a game later on where Andy Lyons nearly scored twice in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And he's now our joint top scorer, is he? But uh, yeah, possible rings end bias there by staff, but very astute nonetheless. And the famous last words we've been saying this for so long now, if we can keep Cavo and Ferrugia fit. And many times have we said the sentence. I know, yeah, but it's all the last about, two years. If we can, think about the choices that you have and the the different styles of football that they both play and you can ultimately like let's say you're playing Sligo and you're thinking okay their right wing back or right back's not great on the back foot puff Rouge on them and let them run at them or you could say they another team play three at the back and they leave space in beside when the, when the centre half drop, drops in the deep into the middle okay get Cavo in there get him the zing balls in the Gaffney let them hold it up in that little bit of space it's, it's just great options great options to have yeah, so a poor game of football, I would say, but a great win. Yes. And that's our two 1 0 wins this season were both over Dublin clubs and both with Gaffney winners at home. The Gaff. Yeah. Running amok at the minute. And uh, there, was, there was a throwback on Twitter prior to the match, and it was the 1 0 home win over Pass in July 2011 with the Gary Twig winner. And funny enough, Paul O'Dwyer in the. In the 1899 bar, he had brought up that game as well. And he was saying how good a goal it was. And I was saying, I actually don't remember the goal. And I remember I ended up going home and watching it. And actually, it was a great goal. Lovely one too of Billy Denny. And a great classic yeah. Twiggy goal. Finish. Super finish. Yeah. So, 1 0 wins, win leagues, Kerr. Yeah, Sorry, like... Joey, to be altering your slow. I do goal. agree, though. I mean, yeah. these these are the ones that you grind out. These are the ones that you grind out. They're not pretty. They're not beautiful. Mm. You get the three points and you go and you get your, you're gone. Yeah, saw Saki in the tunnel. He's on the past staff. Are you giving anyone a finger? That's that's what I was thinking about. I, was, I think it was the time you gave uh, Rovers fans, or Pats fans, a yeah. finger when uh, they beat us 4 Like Tala. What more could you do to G up a crowd? Like, come on. What, what What's he think? That was offending them. <laughs> come on. They're loving it. Lapping it up. Yeah. You got a ban over that as well. Of course, Mick Neville denied it in uh, our podcast about giving the fingers to our own fans. And uh, I was talking to John Byrne about it. He said he did get a lot of stick back then, especially the Talca season. Hmm. And two or three good Hoopers do remember this happening. So he didn't remember it happening, but I think it happened. Oh, yes. And the chorus results elsewhere that night really went their way. And there was a great stat uh, that at half time of this game against Pats, Derry were eight points ahead of us. By full time on Monday, they were one point ahead. Brilliant. Of us. Great weekend, wasn't it? It really was. It worked in our favour massively. So don't dock on the Easter Monday, prof. 
is risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. Another 1 0 win. Another 1 0 win, they will do nicely. So, Andy Lyons has been left out against Pats because he hadn't trained all week and he and Finn were both rested here. So, the, the benefits of a big squad again. Gaffney on the bench but played no part either. Watson Greener came in, Frugian Gannon played wing back. So, big, big changes. Like, and what's noticeable about this was I thought his first three subs in the game were on the hour, right? None of those three players were involved against Pats. Like, how impressive is that? His first three subs in this game were not players who played against Pats. Brilliant, isn't it? And then the likes of Gaffney and Finn were kept on the bench, didn't need to use them, still won the game. Like, that's an impressive usage of a squad Mm -hmm. right there. Uh, No Robbie Benson for them, thankfully. I got it wrong, actually. I said on the show that he was playing for Pats. I'm only a year and a half in the fucking past here. Uh yeah, always a dangerous player. I think he possibly has the record number of goals against us oh, since Tata. Against us, He's got about 10 or 11, I'd say. So, the build-up. Yes, we'd Graham from the media. He tweeted this at 11am this morning. He said, you have to respect the hustle of the group of lads already waiting outside Tata Stadium for their balls ticket. Six young fellas with a ball to pass the time. And they also, they got their Gordon Ramsay on as well, Prof. Yeah, where was Chef Ray? Ray should have foreseen this. Bit of profit we made here. <laughs> That actually made the paper and all that. Uh, the lads making the barbecue. Absolutely in bits the next day, I'd say. Barbecue and cans, by the way. In bits because salmonella or whatever the fuck you get, food poisoning. Um, yeah, that was 11am and the tickets weren't on sale till 4. So, and thankfully everybody who queued, nobody left unhappy. They all got their tickets. All so. happy people, yeah. Uh, Ray's curry, by the way, I thought it was extra spicy oh, man. on Friday. The meatballs. Are like the the spicy pepper sauce, oh, spicy pepper sauce, unbelievable. The curry, everything like this, but spicy, spicy pepper sauce, it's totally underrated. Totally underrated. Just last point on the queue. I was getting Juventus and 2011 group stages vibes from these queues. We we haven't really seen this in many years. You know great, what I mean? It's great stuff. But it's, the Memorial Cycle Prof. Blessington Lakes and one of our own gang Dan Fulham tipped his bogey struggled but got it done in the end and uh, it was on that morning so marked the second anniversary of the passing of Anthony Waffles McDonald so um, thanks to everybody who who took part brilliant stuff I'm getting I'm getting I'm gonna, do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to strip my bike down myself and I'm going to get it all totally replaced because I was thinking of getting a new one I'm going to strip it down and get on the road for the next one so the crowd was five and a half thousand which we were kind of thinking that would be it because you're looking at the bank holiday Monday and you're thinking, right, that'll knock off two thousand, and uh, so approved. Yeah, that was about it. But for a Monday, that's another rise for us because remember last year against Bowes, it was only four thousand. Yeah, definitely. The Monday yeah. is a killer. It is. It's a killer because people are waving a long weekend. They're going out to Mobiles and Wexford and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you can understand it. Um, Hooperman was back prof and my my attempts to convince my 7 year old daughter Moya that he's actually real and it's not a man well can I say that to kids listen is she still frightened of him yeah no no he's real that's what I'm trying to say is that he's real and he was on planet Hooper and that's why he's back but she's getting too awful this awful name the dad for jokes aren't working anymore awful name for a planet planet <laughs> Hooper yeah so uh, the atmosphere of both games prof um, I'm trying to think back now I thought Pats was uh, good towards the end 
And yeah. uh, it, I mean, it's it's it can be a bit of a damp squib at times. Credit to Dundalk, actually, thought they were good. Their fans, they were quite noisy. Um, terms of us, yeah, good good atmosphere in the, in the two games. Um, do you notice there's kids now with handwritten signs asking players for jerseys? Yeah, can this go on the list of hatred right now? Is this a relatively new thing? List of hatred. I, I think this, I mean, are their parents putting them up to it straight on eBay afterwards? I don't know, I, I just, it's something I don't like. I don't like it. Same with people with phones. Like, what are you doing recording on your phone? You're at a match. Get off your phone. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. But at the end of the game, there was two pass kids dragged off the pitch looking for pass jerseys. They're so, watching it on telly, man. That's it. It's simple. This trend of kids running on the pitch. Two kids ran on last night. Man City, was it? Either way, some, some big game. Two kids ran mm. on. Well, actually, we'll actually talk about it now. Your man at the end, what was it, the 92nd, 93rd minute? He runs on. P goes chasing him off. He nearly went full Brian Clough on him. Yeah, he should have two footed him. He nearly boxed the hell off him. And did you see the video as well? You can't even, it's all, you can't make anything out. It's a lot of bollocks. Mm. Like, this fella is just some randomer. But even with the kids, like, am I supposed to give this kid a jersey and feel bad for him just because he's on the pitch? Like, is that the way it works? Oh, you've run on the pitch, you've disobeyed the rules, but you're you're slightly young and a little bit cute, so I'm going to give you my jersey. Get the fuck off the pitch. <laughs> well, you're the girl who and ran you're on. You're fucking grounded. That's, that's what you are. The girl who ran on and got Ronaldo's jersey, unless you have a heart made of stone, that was cute. But I reckon it, it was all staged because he's in a bit of bother at the minute. It may have also set a bad precedent. Yes, one hundred percent. They think they all do it now. Yeah. Um. So mm. yeah, first half chances. Uh, chance for both teams. Manus made a save at the near post, which was which was uh, pretty important. Yep. Uh, they actually hit the bar in the first couple of minutes of this game. So they, I think we had like two. Two good chances each, I would say, in this half. They still didn't really uh, impress me, to be honest. No, I, I think... I mean, there's a lot. Other than that, they parked the bus, though. Yeah, they parked the bus, and like a lot of teams are going to do that until at the minute, because we we're are starting mm. to click and come into gear. But other than that, a couple of chances. Half-time came, Prof. No bravel, yeah. No we'll bravel. get it eventually. And then we'll top of the winning goal, the 66th minute with Danny Mandroyu. And this was one of them, once again, where... I'm just like ah. yeah. If someone's walking by, they're like, "What's going on in his fuck? What's what's going on there?" Like, looking in in the window, but you're just thinking, absolutely stunning. The run wasn't even made. He was just running. He was just about to make the run, and then he put it into that area. Absolutely fucking outrageous. He played the ball. Depending on if Danny timed this run perfectly, there was so much running to do. It was ridiculous. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> you sound angry. It's fucking... Uh, Do you remember the one against Strahada, right? Super finish as well, man. Yeah. The one for for Sean Gann against Strahada, right, was also not as good, but it was also a stunning true ball. And I interviewed Jack afterwards, and he was quite humble about it, and he kept crediting Sean, saying he, he has to make the run as well. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's a good run. Yeah. But this one, this run is brilliant and do you reckon Oidemar was part of the dummy do you reckon he was the dummy run well us mere mortals assumed he was passing to Oidemar you're looking at you're looking at the pitch and you're like okay that's obviously for Oidemar 
and then it goes past him and you're like oh like, Danny's just strolling in here we don't see the bigger Super picture slotted little ball and a uh, big big shout out um, to Oidemo who was really good when he came on Oidemo he caused, caused havoc he caused him a lot of problems cutting um, in taking shots he had a decent chance I think towards the end didn't he where he hit them on the break and uh, couldn't couldn't seal the win, unfortunately. But here's the dilemma, Prof, right? We spoke about this in uh, confidence, you could say. Do we keep Oidemo or do we send him out on loan? Similar to Dean Williams. But here's the thing. He's playing football constantly in the 19s. He's scoring goals. I think that's a good thing. I mm. think having him in around the fourth team, training with this fourth team, with the facilities, with the, the know-how that Bradzer has and the coaches and all the players that are around him, if you sent them out to fucking drop their harps, it, I, that's the standard dropping. No offence, it is. Standard is dropping straight away of his training, of all that. So I think keeping them in around here, giving them little snippets of first team football, having them playing good football the nine days, I think we're on to a star here. I think it'd be a terrible idea. I, th- I think it's all about how much of an impact do you make as a sub. Yep. I remember Dean Williams, people didn't believe me when I came up with the stat. <sighs> Dean Williams came off the bench in 10 games in a row. And they were like, what are you talking about? I don't remember any of these Let's games. be honest, whenever he was he brought on... He wasn't making an impact. He wasn't, man. When he was being brought on, we were just thinking, for fuck's sake. I think he scored once in a 6-1 win or something like that as well. Mm. Other than that, it was just like, nah, man. He could be. He could turn out to be a very decent League of Ireland player. Mm. But at the moment, he wasn't up to scratch for this squad. And at the moment, Oidemo is making... Think about... Someone made a great... Probably our good friend Ray again... Making the point that Greener starts this match. Only Greener's second start of the season, by the way. Yeah. He uh, runs the defenders ragged. What is it, Gartland, who got sent off? Yeah. Uh, at the end of this match, and Gary O'Neill said something to him. I found out what it was, but <laughs> put I'll that in your book. Yeah, keep it to myself. Have the book here. Not exactly PC. Yeah. Um, so he he stretches them, runs them ragged, and then imagine being them too. And you see Oidemo coming on the hour, and you're like, oh, here Fuck we sake. fucking go. This little fucking whippy. And that right there is why you don't send him out long, exactly, because he's yeah. useful. Very, very useful. With the knowledge. And if we keep giving him game time, his finishing may will keep improving. Oh. And he can start nicking goals for us that could seal wins. So. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Gertz uh, sent off at the end. Could have been reduced to nine men, actually. Oidemo. Uh, hit them on the break at one stage and he looked looked to be a last man situation yeah yeah but once again the rule changes doesn't it it's all about mm. the ref's interpretation of if he goes for the ball or not so so yeah that's got to be happy with that man I mean that's two 1-0 wins at home and I was looking at the fixtures and I was thinking like it's tough they'll come up they'll set up and they'll be tough to be two 1-0 two wins Friday against mm. Pats one against against Dundalk's brilliant well, I said four one, but the way Dundalk set up against us, there was not there was not going to be four goals uh, in that game, hmm. and we remain unbeaten against Stephen O'Donnell. Yeah, and just after the game, we spoke to him, and um, did we? Yes, yeah, we spoke to him in what do you the, say? in the south stand there, and so here we have Stephen O'Donnell. So Stephen, um, so tell me how how do you analyse that game? I don't mind here. So painful. Football doesn't agree with me whatsoever. But I don't think we deserve that. Oh, God, I hate football. 
So that was uh, Stephen. And yeah, okay. you should probably give it up, prof. <laughs> should probably he give doesn't, up. Doesn't sound happy. Yeah, you got to be happy with that. It's like it's a brilliant six points, and then, um, yeah. So we move on, prof. Excellent stuff. Dundalk, Dun and Dustin. Six points from two tough games. But you interviewed H, prof. Harry Kenny. Wasn't there? Do you remember Red Dwarf? You remember that program? Wasn't there a fellow called? Was a fellow with a H on his forehead? Don't remember. Get, someone get back to me on that. But the prof interviewed H. Harry Kenny and his recent program and those tales from the Netherlands. Two brilliant articles as well, by the way, Prof. Well done again. And I knew exactly what was going on when Tales from the Netherlands came. Because <laughs> I saw the force and I was like, Prof is going way deep into the rabbit hole here with every Dutch fucker yeah. that came across Rovers. It's all no offence, no offence, Jerry. It's all connected. Yeah. And then Harry, of course, having some, some bants in his interview as well. Harry's always a, a very uh, interesting individual. Well, the reason for the article was, I think I said on the previous podcast, that this game was the... It was 30 years to the day since we played Utrecht in the RDS. And I said that the, the goalkeeper that day is now the women's goalkeeping coach. So that was a weird yeah. uh, What the fuck was that connection. about? We Bill Gleason as well. Green ribbon um, enthusiast. And just catching up on the pod and the programme. Loving the RDS stuff. The Utrecht game was as dull as described. But there was one highlight. It was around the same time that the players' names and the jerseys were being discussed. These guys talked out with names on the back and we were all very impressed with this innovation. It took a good five minutes to figure out that all the Dutch lads were called Nissan. <laughs> yeah, all called Nissan. Uh, the paper reports for the game said that they started with a spurt. Uh, they scored oh, in the mate. first 13 minutes or so. The two goals. And then they played fetch. But I only vaguely remember this game. He said, yeah, he remembered they tied with us. Because they were a quality side. Still the only time you've ever played a Dutch team. Yeah, similar to when your cat kills innocent animals and toys with them. I don't know I don't know why you went to that there. <laughs> you went to my cat, nothing to do anything. Uh, Maloney also had a stinging article about the last day at Milltown. But unfortunately, the, pin- the printers made an absolute balls of it. Or is this a similar situation to when Nutsy banned your stats or you're just coating it up? You're just coating it. Uh, listen, our printers have been with us since like before Tata even, have they? So, I mean, they're very loyal to us and they're great. But, uh, yeah, a massive fuck up here. But I think the right thing to do is to print it in full in the next issue. So, brilliant. People will get to read it. So, I just had a few stats based on those two games here. Uh, still unbeaten at home to Pats since March 2016. So, they haven't beaten us in Tata since then. And did you see Conan Burns that about that game? Uh no no go on. Not one player from that robber starting eleven. When they beat us in March twenty sixteen, not one of them play professional football anymore. Jesus, all retired. That's ridiculous. That I was, love to see the starting eleven. Actually. That was some stat. Whereas he said the past team have five, and one of them still plays with them now. Ian mm. Birmingham. Um. Conan Burns, he was also pointing out how long each manager has been at their respect, respective Premier Division clubs. So the top three was obvious. Audi Horgan, eight years, five months. Keith Long, seven years, six months. How many trophies is Keith Long won? Uh, zero. Brazzer, five years, five months. I have a, I have a Brazzer stat actually later on. Go on, prof. It's a good one. Because um, as we know, Brazzer is our second longest serving manager of all time. Second only to Paddy Code. So I mentioned earlier that I predicted 4-1 for Dundalk and I said there, there was a reason for that and that is because we're not tonking teams anymore, guys. 
Sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing like a child at the word tonk. It's, it's a great word. It's a good word. Yeah. It's a good word. So, because... It could be used as a few different things. It can. But, in this case, I mean, a big win. Give you a good tonking, Prof. Prof loves a good tonking. So, <laughs> after that past game, that meant that we had now gone 33 games. <clears throat> home and away. Without scoring four goals. Ooh. The last time was the 4-2 win in Derry last July. Therefore, this now became our longest run under Bradzer without scoring four goals. <laughs> Where do you come up with these things? And it's the longest run since a run of 44 from June 2014 to May 2015. That's the longest ever in the Talat era. No surprise, that was Pat Fenden who cherished <laughs> there. So... Whether that means anything or not, I mean, we've won two league titles during this run. But, to me it has become noticeable that we, we are not tonking anybody. We need to start tonking. And, it's coming soon. We have Harps at home coming soon. Oh, that's got, they're going to get tonked. Poor old Harps. It, this could be the one. With no Dave Webster. Then this run. That yeah. is going to tonk, tonk City. Poor Webby out for the rest of the year, yeah. And... A stat I had said in the podcast already. Yeah, that was Dylan Watts. 100th league appearance. League underlined and in bold. Uh, someone did fuck it up, didn't they? Who fucked it up? Someone, I think somebody tweeted us that someone left out the word league. Yeah. Oh, raging. So, <laughs> raging. Other results, Bowes 2, Finn Harps 2 and a late goal from Finn Harps. Hook it to the veins. Nine Der- men, but, uh, Harps. Yeah, absolute scenes in the Brandywell. Derry losing the Duffer Shells. Damien Duff Shelbourne went to the Brandywell and they took three mm-hmm. points. Can't believe Damien Duff Shelbourne did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you text were sent to Joey O'Brien. Certainly was, yeah. Currently a backroom member of Damien Duff Shelbourne. We've done Doc 2, Sligo 1 and UCD Nail draw the 2. So, um, Fields are as well. Our resident Perth um, correspondent. He says, have Derry had the league trophy taken back off to me? <laughs> and the Bowls fan says don't know what was more embarrassing the result against nine men the shocking amount of twisty mustaches <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally forgot that was there twisty mustaches the result against nine men the shocking amount of twisty mustaches on display or the girl flipping out in front of FNG before kickoff because she couldn't wave her rainbow flag on the pitch <laughs> fucking Twisty mustache. Add that to the list, prof. Nerds, kids, twisty mustaches. Nerds, kids, twisty mustaches and penny farting bicycles. Oh, man. Adam O'Neill on Facebook. Hippies out of Daily Mount. I won't step foot near the kip until they're good for gone. It'll only take a few bad seasons to clear the hippie bastards out anyway. Oh, man. Brilliant. And, of course, our resident uh, kickboxing beach enthusiast, Barney. Philosopher said, "Sold our soul to fill the Jody stand." And <laughs> twisty mustache. You can look at him just looking up, going, "Fucking one, two, three. Look at all the twisty mustaches. That one's extra twisty. <laughs> and then there was this gem from Jippo Web, uh, because Ethan Boyle was uh, rubbing it in their faces after the game. Ethan Boyle, a truly awful footballer, walked off the pitch shouting bottle jobs. At the fans in A-block. And you couldn't even argue with him. Brilliant start the second half. Get in front and then get cagey, nervous, complacent. I worried when we were two up. And I said to my mate, 
Uh, surely they don't have enough players to score. Ten seconds later, it's in their net. Awful. Lovely. It's very, very, and um, very satisfying. There was actually a video put up of a, a Roberts Junior hoops day a few years ago, and Ethan Boyle is up in the stand singing, "We all hate balls." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that one. But uh, I love that that goal that that equaliser from Harps by Timlin in injury time. Airy actually started the move. Airy was the pass before the assist, prof. Yeah. The man who was supposed to be an upgrade on, on Danny. And uh, absolute scenes when that goal went in. The only thing missing was the... Could you imagine the Ollie Horgan interview? Even he, That's what I'm just praying that he just lets it go. Or they give him a subscription. Even he might have been slightly positive on that one. Mm. Um, so at this point, they still couldn't hold on to a lead. Obviously then they go and hammer shells. So there was this pattern for a while there, wasn't there? Where they... They're in disarray, and then they win midweek. Still like the shells, shells and then they're. Well. I think they went to up to joint third or something after they beat shells. But Damien um, Duff's <coughs> shells. You, yeah, yeah. Damien Duff's shells. Do you remember the Hitler video when we beat them three 0 <laughs> Oh man, absolute classic. They should remake that one, where someone says, where Hitler goes, uh, "Well, at least we battled bravely with nine men," and then someone says to him, "Sir." It was Harps who had nine men. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone leave except you, you and you and you. Um, so, yeah. So, Bowes had plans to head out to Sandy Mount then to build sandcastles. And this is what they decided to do. After a loss, or after a two-all, after dropping points against Harps, nine men Harps, right? Their big priority as a club was to go and build fucking sandcastles in Sandy Mount. <laughs> Let that sink in there. Have you noticed that? <laughs> We're reading out tweets from their fans now. It's brilliant. We used to read out our own fans slagging them. Now we just read their own because it's gold. Here's one from Edo Byrne, Bowes fan. Grown men drawing messages in the sand. We are a laughing stock. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> twisty mustaches. They're just doing the work for us now. So in terms of um, Duffer's shells... Their home away record was bizarre at this point. It's nuts. So at this point, they had one point at home, but they had the joint second best away points tally in the league and the most away goals scored. And they were terrible against us, let's be honest. Yeah. And then they go and beat Derry. And then Bowes hammered them. So it's It's all over the shop, isn't it? Yeah. And just on the Duffer Shells gag, the running gag. Aidan Fismaris in the Evening Herald, who was obviously not in on the joke, you know, the Damien Duff Shelburne thing. So he's written this report, right, without a sliver of irony, <laughs> right? So under the headline, Good Friday for Duffers Reds as Derry Falders. That's the headline, right? First sentence, yet another superb away day for Damien Duff Shelburne saw his side come from behind to win on the road. And also become the first team to ask some real questions of league leaders Derry City. The Reds' home farm is among the worst in the country, but away, few can match Duff's side. That's three Duffs in the first paragraph. And then Duff just sat, sits down, right? And put me foot. <laughs> he grabs his foot, right? Takes off his flip-flop and just puts it down his throat. <laughs> all the way in his mouth. And now it's my foot is right beside my face. Gareth's physically doing this. Right 
all the way down his throat. What a... what? Seriously. All the years he's played for Premier League clubs. Did he not get media training? He is a dunce. An absolute clown of a fella. He says this is the only club he'll ever manage in the League of Ireland. Write that one down, folks. <sighs> Unbelievable. Um, Don't say things that's going to come back and Come bridge. on, like... Sometimes I, I kind of like him. Like, he got... Oh, yeah, no, and, and like, I know, I've got reasons, but... He got kind of emotional after it was the Dundalk one, but they conceded a late goal. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I, he makes me cringe, sorry. And Derry, we're, we're about to read out the fixture, the Monday results now. They drew in Drogheda. And could I remember what a certain Owen said about Derry have a great run of fixtures now. Look at their fixtures, Prof. Look at <laughs> Forgo- the this. phone in my face. Look at their April and May fixtures. It's a handy one. And one point from two games. Absolutely blew their beans. But he's their Monday games, Prof, with Shelbourne getting hammered at home. Damien Duff's shells taking an absolute paste in at Damien Duff's Tolka Park. By the Sandcastle Makers, Spoles. <laughs> and with UCD, one. St. Pat's, two. Two, one. Out there, Harps losing nil. 1-0 Sly got a draw to 1 and Derry won so very very favourable <coughs> results for us Prof draw to on a good run at this point uh, they were unbeaten on 5 going into this then they drew mm-hmm. this that's 6 and then Sly go eventually beat them uh, my tip for them to finish bottom is looking ridiculous now to be fair huh? um, you never know for a long season yeah uh, Bowles uh, we got lucky with the weather in the Baddy Bock end at Talca Park uh, it was it was an okay day, wasn't it? Bowls fans on that Monday, not so lucky. <laughs> they got drowned uh, in the rain. Sean Boyd scored again. He hates Bowles. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Comfortable win by Bowles in the end. And then everything was rosy again. <clears throat> and I, for one, was glad that they didn't come into the air game on the ropes. Because how many times have we seen that when they're at rock bottom? And they play us. I hate playing them when they're up <coughs> on. I really do. So to be honest, I was quite pleased that he came into the game on the win. So yes, prof, we're gonna move on to the Bowes game. We were given eight hundred thirty-seven t- tickets random, and they went to members on the day that St Pat's game and the season ticket holders had to queue on the Saturday. So um, yeah, we mentioned the barbecue and all that. Um, Northside is struggling. Well, at first the, the thing was uh, only up to six o'clock. On the Friday, wasn't it? So I suppose if you're a Northsider, how are you going to get to work from Tala then? But then it was extended, wasn't it, till uh, up to kick-off. Yeah. So they accommodated the people there. Um, <clears throat> I was in Mulligans before the game. A bunch of Hoobers were uh, hanging out there pre-match. Um, Stavros Cousin was telling me how he loves to back Lee Gray's first goal score. But the odds have to be good, though. Like, he gets... 16s you might get 28s maybe no he says he's getting like 66 for first first goals girl but then I don't know if it was Paddy Power he said someone changed it then to 30s and he said no fuck that but I uh, had a quick look on Soccerway and I went back you can it's quite easy to click on a player's games and it just has a little ball icon. So oh, can, lovely. So you can tell when they scored. Yeah. So I had it took me a couple of minutes and I said, in five years, Grace has scored the first goal once. Jesus. And his heart sank. 
I'm interested. <laughs> actually, you know what? I might go for an L bet now. We get. I'm thinking Tiffy's tips. Tail tips from the East End. What am I gonna go for, Prof? I'm gonna go for. I'm looking at my first team lineup here. I think. I think who's who's due a goal or who's gonna continue on their good form. Well, if you saw in the in the in the media there, Sean Hoare says there's a little bet between them. You know, he says they're quite tall. They should be getting more goals. Like Grace has scored big goals for us. He equalised against uh, Apollon, yeah. the winner in Galway. It's just he hasn't been scoring first. You know who's uh, due one? Pico. Pico's, Pico's due a goal. Yeah. Like Hoare has won the seasons. Um, yeah, Pico's Pico for me. Pico's, Pico. Pico's going for me for fourth goal score. That's what I'm going for. Uh, saw Usher at the game, uh, but this time not overdressed uh, in a suit. He hadn't come <laughs> from a wedding. And you see on Instagram after his yeah. jacket, where's me taxi money? He's Two dad. years. Still waiting on it. Still waiting. And if you read my interview with Dean Kelly in the program uh, a few weeks back, I said that to Dean Kelly. Because remember, Dean left his own, his sister's wedding? Yeah, yeah. To play in a derby? And uh, I said that story to him. I said that's I said that's great uh, commitment. I said if Jack pays half, I'll pay the other half. Certainly hasn't happened yet. But Dublin bus fucked up, prof. <coughs> social media. He said, "Going to the game, let Dublin bus take you there." Listen, all the buses they go to tell it. Oh, just fucking great, great. They got great. everything wrong, didn't they? That is. Tell great. us about Mulligans, prof. Yeah, good gang was there. Woody was there with his Carlo Hoops flag. Oh yeah. Yeah. Top top man, top top man. What an addition to the hoops fan base. Ah, oh, he's a great man. I kind of, it only kind of registered me as we were kind of hanging out. It's our first game at Daddy Mount since the Greener winner. No way. Twenty twenty. Fucking hell, man! Can't believe it was that long ago. I mean, I think some a small amount of hoops were there incognito. Uh, for the, the November game, were they? But for the vast majority of people. We haven't been there since then, and the lashing rain, and um, no roof, of course, for the first time. I think you were saying like you didn't know it was behind there. Yeah, didn't know what the fuck it was. Yeah, so that was quite strange. We were talking, you know, in terms of atmosphere, would it be would it be difficult to generate an atmosphere. But whatever about the atmosphere, there was a lot of uh, unique chance in this game. Uh, poor Tordex Cat got to mention again <laughs> there's only one Dan Lambert there was a rousing rendition of that at the end yes sir I can boogie great crack uh, I think it was the Maloney said this is the greatest callback chant of all time Max Murphy he's one of your own Unbelievable. we turned their song for the other Murphy into our own for Max when he scored an own goal. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So there's some of the highlights. Uh, no burgers at Denny Mount Gare, which, I mean, how am I supposed to review every burger in the league if there's no burgers? I don't think, I think you dodged a bullet there, Prof, to be honest. Possibly, yeah. I'm, I'm eating Prof's chocolate here, don't mind me. The Lindoras, Prof, you're, tre- you're, you're treating me this week. Yeah, so some of us were nervous beforehand. Uh, I think we always are, aren't we? Always going to Denny Mount, no matter what. Yeah. But um, the way we started the game, though, it did. It kind of like okay, we're we're up for this, and like I think we're gonna win this. But um, Jack got clattered on top of that soon. But yeah. tell us about the Lions. Uh, did someone actually bet on this? Is this did that actually happen? Uh, it was young uh, Daniel, the Ringsend lad. Oh, Dan O'Keo. Yeah, L- little lawyer. 
Yeah, I can't remember what Ozzy got it now, but he had Lions to score too. And remember that shot that Talbot saved? Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. That curler. Where from the on Very the first in the in the first half. Yeah, in the first half, yeah. <laughs> he ne- nearly cashed in for him there. So yeah, so what do you think of the opening few minutes, Gar? Um great start to a derby. Great start to a derby. It's what we needed. Um they looked decent enough as well, but I think Jack getting a clatter in the first few minutes kind of spurred them on and then we just started tearing them apart. That was a let them know you're there moment. Yeah, but yeah. Which is what you give, like. Yeah, well we did we didn't mention the team actually. Four Shane is Finn Lyons back in as expected. Yeah. Towel back in, Gaffney. Um so yeah. The goal, five minutes. Andy Lyons. So we had Lyons getting the force and once again what we've been missing when Jack wasn't here was that delivery put it on a sixpence absolutely stunning delivery brilliant ball in and who crossed it back mm. in because it looked like a pass uh, it was Danny so it was Danny great ball and then not just just stroked home by, uh, by Young Lions and Q Bedlam Prof in the OAN don't forget uh, Talbot's magnificent flap attempt to catch the ball from Jack's corner stickers everywhere yeah at this stage Talbot must be thinking to himself was it really worth making those stupid comments three years ago? Because the grief he's gotten since. He's just put himself into the crosshairs. It's ridiculous. And all well deserved mm. as well. So, unbelievable start of the game. Andy Lyons come back to haunt his old club. Brilliant stuff. Like, really, really good start. These had no spine or bottle at all. And then once again, we had um, Jack, edge of the box, picks it up. Just a lovely, lovely ball in, but no danger whatsoever. Max is on his own. He's fucking millions of space. And he strokes a home right foot. Barely, he started laughing. Genuinely started laughing. A lot of people were just laughing. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Could not believe it. Absolutely hilarious. Lovely finish. 2-0. I thought to myself, this is fucking unprecedented. Like, when, when have we ever been 2-0 up out daily mount after this amount of time? So... Just a beautiful left foot volley, perfectly into the corner. <laughs> Absolute disaster for them. So, 2 0 up on 35 minutes. And a deserved 2 0 lead. I mean, we're, still, we're dominant yeah. in this first half. Could have had more. Some brilliant saves from Talbot as well. There's yeah. a brilliant one from Finner. I don't know how he got across to it. The one you were talking about with Andy. Yeah. Where he could have got young Kyoey. A few from, quid. One from Danny as well. Was that the one where he tipped? Oh no! The Finner one was pretty tipped. Finner was one we bar. tipped it to the bar. Yeah, yeah. There was one from Danny as well. Some brilliant, brilliant stuff. And I just thought to myself, this is an unbelievable. I didn't want the half to end. When it did, I was just thinking to myself, this is brilliant. How are they going to come back? How are they going to come at us here? That's what I was thinking. One of the highlights for me was a half time because I was kind of I was behind the nets, and uh, so a lot of people walking past me, going back and forth, and you're just seeing people you know from the buses. Uh, and everyone was just so happy. <laughs> Some boys, eh? In great spirits. Some Two nil up a daily belt. Everyone's just in the best mood. So, second half, were you. I mean, I was expecting Bowles to have a spell. They had to come out all guns blazed, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, they, they, they had to, but I think when a, there was a clearance by Tell in the 48 minute. Promise got a cross into the box and it was a brilliant crossing. Bort was on coming. It's just going to bury it. Richie Tell. Late run Richie. 
gets onto this, I don't know how he does it, and just clears it. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant work rate, desire, the whole lot. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Tireless fucking running from him. I couldn't believe it. Brilliant. So And you're a tweet about him. Uh, got a got a shit got a call out on LOI Central this yeah, week. Yeah, I was very happy with that because it's fair because he's not the player that left. My point was that he's not the player that left the goal scoring midfielder that left Dundalk. He's we've inherited this grafter midfielder with a bit of goil and a hard worker that's finally formed a partnership with, with Gary O'Neill. But it didn't it didn't stop there, Prof. It was a four V four uh coup to Bort and a great save on the fifty sixth minute by Manis. So um I just thought that we managed the second half very well, but that was like that that was that was a good bit of play as well. They were starting to get on top, but I thought we kept them at bay and then the goal came. So this was on sixty nine minutes. Is, are we being harsh here? Like was it um, was it they like, could he have pushed it away right to junior, junior buries it? At the top um I think I was actually uh, getting chips at the time, but I, I could. I saw the just goal. chips. So there's a chip van and no yeah. burgers. What? Ridiculous! I could see. I was watching the game. All right, so I saw the balls goal, but I missed Danny's goal. That's what happened. But um, at the time, yeah, I thought could manage to do better there. When I watched it back, actually, I don't know. It might be a bit harsh, but what Maybe. I would say is, a lot of goals we concede are exactly like this. Yeah, it is. That's what I'm saying. It's Manus palming the ball into a player who scores. And the the chance you mentioned earlier, the, the Owen Doyle one, that would have been exactly like that goal too. Yeah. It would have been palmed exactly, into exactly, Doyle. Exactly, yeah. But so, then straight from the re- the, the tip-off, Prof. Well, this is what made it even funnier. I mean, <sighs> at the time you're kind of frustrated because it's another one of these away games where we should have been 4-0 up, mm-hmm. but we weren't. And then we've allowed the other team to get back into it. Ominous feeling then I just got when they scored a top fork. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go again. But this just made it even more hilarious. Mandrew comes in on his tippy toes. Not even 60 seconds gone. So a ball pumped into, I think it was Gary O'Neill's, gave the pass into Lyons. Lyons. And then it kind of flicked up and Gaffney got the header. He did brilliant to win the header. Takes it down and just kind of tippy toed in. And the way he the way he did it, he didn't, it was an accurate but not as powerful as I thought it'd be strike. It was a brilliant, brilliant finish. I love Accuracy the, put this ball in the net. I love the ball control. Like he takes it down. Another three little touches. And then the finish. Ah, oh, absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, Gar, he did walk near the Jody stand with his hands on his hips. Surely that's so, provo- provoking the fans. One match suspension incoming now. You know, the old hip holding. Sexual gesture. It's been known to incite riots. <laughs> Similar yeah. with cupping ears. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you couldn't ride it. I mean, the last two players we've signed off Bows score. <laughs> They're signing off us scores an own goal. Like, if you had said this before the match, you'd have been like, oh yeah, Carol, yeah. It'd be a nice dream, I suppose, but like, it sounds insane. Brilliant. You could not write this. It was so funny. And I didn't think they troubled as much second half. I mean, they had a half chance at the end. Uh, fantastic commitment as usual. Shown by Pico and Hart throwing their bodies in the way. And this is at 3-1. Not even 2-1. Keeping the standard up, Prof. That's what yeah, that was. Yeah, so I love seeing that. But overall performances, I think Jack, for me, that's probably the best, one of his best 60 minutes mm-hmm. ever. Ever. Finner. Brilliant. 
Um, just brilliant performances all around. Richie Tell, excellent <laughs> again. Him and Gary O'Neill starting to really forge something special in the middle there. As Brazier said, Gaffney is just unplayable at times. As Brazier said, Jack just takes the sting out of the game. Just runs at his own Did you pace. see that Ballybock fucking dance move that he did? Where oh, he did a little pirouette and just fucking out to the left. Absolutely. Oh, Unbelievable. It was outrageous. Unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so Padasiri Prof. The FAI is run by Rovers. The referee is a self-confessed paid up Rovers member. Joke. You wouldn't get it in North Korea. <laughs> Yeah, can I just uh, say that this is going to continue? And because football is fleeting, we always say that you have to live in the moment, and it's got it could possibly reverse in time. We are going to take advantage of every little bit of this. We're going to enjoy this while it lasts. So, <coughs> we don't even have time to read out Jibba Webb because from this game, because they are an absolute meltdown. Okay, <laughs> just go on to them and have a look. Just go on to them. But someone said that. <laughs> Might be time to put out an ad for new rivals. Yeah. Because bowls aren't up to can we Can we get some new ones? Yeah. Keith Long after his post-match. Brutally honest. Brutally honest <laughs> to the point where, where um, he's making an excuse for the lack of funding, I'd say. That's what that is. He's saying, listen, we can't compete. We don't have the... He's pretty much saying, mm-hmm. we don't have the money to buy players that I want. That's what he's doing. He's defeated. He's defeated his attitude there. When he said the words golf and class, I was like, wow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I was just like, yes. But isn't that the first time he's kind of talked about signing players? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't think I think it is. He talked about it in the summer. He didn't give any, well, you might say it was excuses about the air players that he's signed. But he has had sort of weak interviews before when we've beaten them. And it sounds like a lot of excuses. Um... Post match, uh, the usual great scenes when when you win a derby, the players coming over at the end. Uh, the highlight of the evening, and possibly will be the highlight of the year. Alan Manis got emotional. Can, can we just say he, how awkward he was? He riled up the crowd. It was like it was like he was thinking in his head, "I'm doing it, I'm doing it." It's like first time riding the bike. I'm doing it. <laughs> Have we ever seen that before? I don't I've think so. I've definitely never seen it. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know how much time we have, but obviously the last week or so, Very it has rumbled on over <laughs> some of the stuff that happened. <laughs> fucking great, Craig. And the flares, all this stuff. So, a quick summary, I suppose. The flares being shown on the pitch held up the game by eight minutes. Can we just talk about Brad's are really quick about getting reported as well? Yep. Doing his bad Hulk Hogan impression. Um, so, he cupped his ears, right? He cupped his ears. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. Yeah, so he cupped his ears and... Uh, I mean, like the prop always says, think of the children. Like, well, they're not going to sleep in their beds tonight. They're going to be in with their parents thinking of big bad brads are cupping his ears. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so, like oh, I said, Prof, eight minutes you were talking about. And, and um, also on that note, Gary O'Neill blowing Bowes fans' kisses at the end. Yeah. <laughs> You'd love to see it. Yeah, so the flares being shown the pitch helped the game by eight minutes. They're also thrown on at other times, which held up the game, which 
could hurt us, you know, if we're yeah. in the attack. Just for balance, Bowes did throw on a flare. Yeah, Bowes did throw on flares against Before us. Half in Tala as well. In this, this game. Yeah, in, they in, threw in one Tala on they threw one yeah. on as well though. Pats did it in Tala, so this is all bullshit for me. It's not, once again deflection from their ultimately disastrous performances on the pitch. Well, we'll talk about the statement in a moment. The The statement certainly screamed of deflection. <laughs> yeah. All week, obviously, it's been there's been a lot of water bowtery to the point where it's almost got a bit boring. It's like so, like if you let fans, they'll bring you all the way back to Simon Webb. That's how far they're willing to go. Yeah. Some stage, I'm thinking I'm going to open up Twitter, and there'll be a quote from an Evening Herald report from 1923 about bad behaviour. <laughs> they go back as long as you let them, and it just becomes irrelevant as, at points. But, but should, I think maybe what irks Roberts fans the most is being talked. Is being lectured by this club. It's very hypocritical of this club to talk to us. Oh yeah, about they, fan they behavior. To a, a word that they say. Man. Um. So, any other thoughts on what's rumbled on? I suppose the last week with flares and well, obviously, the, let's address the the most important one. Something was thrown at a female medic. As she tended to a player. Yeah, no, now that, that type of shit has to stop. Stop! Don't throw that on the pitch. That is indefensible. Yeah, don't do that shit. Don't do, don't don't carry on like a tug. Like, let's not do that. Do you know what I mean? But oh, like the flares and things, that's part and parcel of football culture within Ireland on the terraces and in the and in the stands. So, don't throw them at anyone in particular or anything like that. That's it's that's a no go area. But do do your thing. Get educated on how to do it, and then just go ahead and, and keep creating fan culture. That's what I feel. Someone posted a clip during the week of a game in Copenhagen, and the whole the whole stand's on fire. It looks like a scene out of Game of Thrones. Yeah, that was the one that sounded like an old scooter remix, wasn't it? <laughs> so I mean, derby derby atmospheres and flares and hatred. This happens all over Europe, and you don't we don't want to lose any of that. But then there is arguments: can we do it a bit? Saver and smarter. Yeah, we can do. We can educate them on that. That's that will come in the coming weeks unofficially. So, um, uh, quote from Carl Kearns. He said, "Best bit of the night was when we were walking out of the ground, past the Bose fans singing, and some jibbo was nearly crying to a garda about us, asking him to stop, uh, asking to asking the garda to make him stop us singing. Stop singing." How how did he even do that? But listen, we we have a few bits here, probably loads of talk. <laughs> Can you remember being so comfortable, Danny Mount? Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, the four 0 I'm trying to think back now. The scoreline certainly suggests we we tonked them like that. Kirby. They got a tonking, prop. They got a tonking, but it's definitely one of the most comfortable I can recall. Yeah, and. Yeah. I think as as a Rovers fan as well, probably you're talking about Jack Bourne operating at seventy five percent. Oh yeah, um, I wanted to bring up this. this is brilliant. This is a great show because he's nowhere near his best. I wanted to say this a few weeks ago because it was a podcast, um, LOI Central, with Pat Fenlon and Paul Curry, right? And I thought it was really good. And they were talking about what Ireland needs and stuff. And the bottom just dismissed Jack. Someone brought up, should we bring Jack in? Pat Fenlon. Pat Fenlon goes no. 
The both of them said no. Straight, straight away, Pat Flanagan goes, no, n- not a chance. To Dan McDonald's credit, he said, well, if he gets back to his levels of 2019 where he was doing it in Europe, then he should be brought back into the fold. But I, I, was, remar- I was amazed by how quickly they dismissed him. Because, yeah, I so I say this not as a Rovers fan. I'm saying I'm being, I'm being objective here. I think a Jack Byrne, even operating at 75%, should start for Ireland. I think so. I because think. of his vision and his set pieces as well. Such an, an asset, isn't it? What other Irish player has set pieces as accurate to him? Just for that alone, yeah. it would be worth keeping him on the pitch. Even though having the squad to bring on, like you're you're chasing against like a poor team and you're not you're struggling like a Liechtenstein or something like that. That's the way you want to be bringing on, isn't it? Half an hour. And look how much the conversation has swung in three games. It's gone from no, Jack, he's not, he's not fit, he's not playing well. Now it's yeah, he's getting called up for the National League games in June. Just shows you how quickly you can do it. And even on Collie's call, he's speaking about. With the three months that was between him being depressed at Kilmarnock and then being in the Ireland squad after Rovers, like you said, you'd never have guessed it. So he does have quick turnarounds. Yeah. What about player of the month? Do you think Lions is a shoe-in? or Lions, Lions gets it. I mean, Jack's yeah. been good, but Lions gets it. Four goals, brilliant performances. Give it to the man. Yeah, so like we say, they're absolutely fuming on uh, Jibbo Webb. Uh, there's talk of cutting our allocation. That's going to happen. The next time. Probably we know that to what four or five hundred maybe I'd say four four and then mm. maybe give us I don't think it would, it would, it would give us block A because it's going to struggle to get us in and out there and be fucking running battles I don't think they'll let us share the Des Kelly either but it'd be interesting they will cut it we know what's happening I can't believe they at the end of their uh, <coughs> their members mail they mentioned our backroom staff but we talked about the, the cupping of the years <laughs> and all that considering their treatment of our backroom staff in the cup game last year they they have some neck to, to mention that uh, Danny on Instagram good night's nice work in the playground last night yes excellent stuff and yeah Emma Wheatley absolutely on fire on Twitter oh yeah she brought the flames prof so yeah I recommend uh, having a little read of that so a quote from the WhatsApp group prof, the Tiffy's bogeys. It's all because they thought they'd turn Daily Mount to a fortress. Robbers don't like playing here. It's a very hostile atmosphere for Robbers, etc, etc, etc. Blah, blah, blah. Then 800 Robbers rock up like lunatics, intimidate Bowes players and fans, get a big win and they can't handle it. They just don't, They just didn't lose a football match. They lost the only thing they had over some recent years, the atmosphere and intimidation of players in Daily Mount Park. We took it back as we always do. Fuck them, cry baby, see you next Tuesdays. Making a show themselves. It's brilliant. So, brilliant stuff, prof. Excellent, oh yes, stuff. that's true. It's totally, totally true. So I have some uh, post bow stats. So that was our four hundredth game with bows. Bit of a milestone there. Mm-hmm. We've won one hundred ninety two of them, and seven hundred twenty nine goals scored. Uh, milestone for Brazzer as well. He already took overtook John Giles in terms of how long he was at the helm. But he hadn't overtaken him in games until this game. Right. So this was his 239th game in charge compared to John Giles' 238. Mm. But he has some way to go to catch Paddy Code. He was in charge for 444 over the course of 11 years. Hopefully get it over. 
Uh, scored three goals against Bowles. First time in 20 games we did that. Uh, I'm actually going to skip that because it's part of a quiz question. So oh. ignore that. Uh, and uh, you like this stuff, actually. After that Pats win on, on the Friday, that meant that Rovers had beaten Bowles, Shells and Pats in the same league season for the first time since 2004. And if you throw in the UCD game as well, it's the first time since 2004 that we beat four different Dublin clubs in the one league campaign. Uh-huh. That was Dublin City back then. Uh, five wins in a row now. Best run since eight last August. Best league run since seven league wins in a row in May. That was before the fans came back. So this is our best league run with fans. Um, what else we got uh, League Race Sean Hoare Gary O'Neill still the only players to start every league game oh, yes. in this campaign and so we're playing Sligo away on Friday it's unusual they're normally Saturdays uh, the two last year were Saturdays the one in 2020 was a Saturday the two in 2019 were Saturdays so our previous five the showgrounds Last one, not a Saturday, was the last game of 2018. That was a Friday. But that's because the league, that's a requirement, isn't it? We'll still have a good attendance, yeah. though. We're looking good. Last game of the season had to be Friday. Oh, all, yeah, all, all together. All the same time. Uh, so the last time we won at the showgrounds on a Friday was actually 2012. The Twiggy double where we spoiled the party. Yeah, where he defied gravity and logic and... Bent space time and matter. Yep. And uh, we're four unbeaten at the showgrounds. Haven't done five unbeaten since Milltown. And we're looking for consecutive wins in Sligo for the first time in seven years. Long Ooh. time since you've won two in a row up here. Jinx Prof, thanks very much. There we go. And other results, Prof. We dairy tonking UCD <laughs> 7 1. Dundalk 2, Duffer Shells 1. Pats 2, Harps now. Sligo 3, Drogheda the 2. So some uh, mixed results there. Yeah, late winners for Dundalk and Sligo in those games. Um, Sligo on a bit of form. Well, they've won a game before they play us. Both Dundalk and Damien Duff's Shelburne reduced to 10 men. And Dover himself red carded the yeah, first of his Threw career. the water bottle down. And the toys out of the pram. To great applause in Oriel Park. The first red card of his career. How did they have that stat to hand? Like, how do we know that he wasn't sent off in Australia? Does someone have that stat? Yeah, I think it was a thing. I think it might have been one of those <laughs> things, you know. Yeah. Uh, Derry 5-0 up at half-time in that game. 7-0 up on the hour. McGonagall hat-trick. So he's the top scorer now in the league with seven patching, six goals. Yep. Waterford second aim Morris already, Prof. Uh, what a shambles of a club that is. Basket case. Come on, man! Like, who are they gonna get in? John Sheridan. John Sher- Sheridan just got relegated with all of them. He's come back in. <laughs> Let's mark my words, right? Will he come back to the first division though? Listen, I, we'll see what happens. But he's relegated all of them. So this this chairman, or the, I don't I don't know anything about their ownership model, but it's like a manual of how to destroy a club. <laughs> yeah, they're absolutely dreadful. So other first division news we had. Bray offering Ukrainian passport holders free entry into their game. That's cool. And then some someone posted underneath that, uh, 
Haven't they suffered enough? <laughs> Uh, we'd Shepard and Kilduff in the frame for the long job after Martin Russell's departure I like this break up the merry-go-round and Kilduff is coaching Manute University you've Shepard I don't know what he's doing but it's good uh, Webby's out for the rest of the season for Harps unfortunate for Webby <coughs> friend of the show good lad wants a hoop always a hoop serious knee ligament injury and we beat Galway's 56.3k followers on TikTok officially Ireland's number one TikTok prof Get that tattooed in your fur. Shout out to Philly Maguire. He's the man behind that. Philly is the man. He's the man behind a lot of things, which we won't say anymore. LOI Central and Collie's Call this week. We spoke about that. LOI Central. We got a little show out. Great show again. Um, it's the best mm. League of Ireland podcast out there, let's be honest. And Collie's Call was good because Jack was yeah. on it. But Jack made it and his mate made it. They were pretty good. So, some yeah, really honest great. opinions about it. And I, I loved that because, you know, I love transfers. Jack didn't stay in Holland because the top three didn't want him. Yeah, that that Fine was that was new information. No, I didn't, cool, I didn't know that. I feel like there's been an oversaturation of Jack in the media, but he is what happens, isn't it? He is very listenable, so I'm not complaining. But yeah, his friend, what was his name? Flinner, was it? Um, yeah, he was he was uh, very good. I enjoyed listening to him as well. And uh, as for LOA Central, it's getting tetchy between Dan and Johnny. I love this. They're yeah. just ready to dig the head off each other. It's just Dan mm. putting them in his place. It's great. That's one thing I think you and I don't have a problem with, and that's leaving each other's spaces. Whereas I can hear the frustration in John, uh, Johnny Ward, getting interrupted. Well, he does it just as bad. Like it's, yeah. um, you know, it is. It's good. Um, yeah, but he mentioned they knew we were a podcast, so we exist yeah. in the world of LOI Central. Yeah, we're in LOI Central canon. Uh, Gary Deegan on that podcast. This was bizarre for me because <laughs> I was listening to him in work, and Dan's always interested in what players do for a living and where they live and stuff like that. So he kind of kept asking about So he said, "Yeah, working on post." And he was like, hey, what's that like doing like a regular job and all that? I says, oh, it's grand. You know, just work, isn't it? I put, I put the headphones on and I'm I'm in the middle of my work listening to this. And I look over. And he's got the headphones on. I'm listening to Gary Deegan <laughs> talk about working on post with headphones on. While looking at Gary Deegan <laughs> working on post with headphones on. Some Inception shit, Inception isn't it? Inception type shit it was. Uh, so yeah that was funny so we're on to my favourite section now prof we're on to the quiz and it's been described as an absolute head melt this week so you're you're just eyeing me up now that's it you're, you're smelling blood I, I have faith I I think you're going to beat Maloney's five <sighs> Maloney got five I, Noli, think, I think you can do it Noli has suggested that we let Mark Turner do the quiz live since he always does so well on them every week oh <laughs> he's a cheating bastard this is a good show he always gets 8 out of 10. But he'll time. do it first. And so before you post it, make him do it. Okay, so prop, here we go. Three minutes. <clears throat> the head melt. Come on, uh, Gary, I believe in you. Here we go. Ready? Let's go. Okay, Rover scored three goals in a game against Bohemians for the first time since which season? 2016, 2015, 2018, 2017? You literally just told me. Well, I moved on because I didn't want to spoil it. 2017. Yes! Yeah, League Cup game that was. The last scoreless draw between Robbins and Bohemians was in 2015 in which competition? League Cup, League, Leinster Senior Cup, FAI Cup. I'm going to say Leinster Senior Cup, nil all, and an extra time. Oh! Which Rovers player spoiled the party by scoring the only goal in the Mount Centenary game in September 2001? Tony Grant, Sean Francis, Tony Cousins, Shane Robinson. Oh, Jesus. 2001, September... 
He, told, he right told us in the podcast. Uh, the ginger Sean Francis. No, Gary Tony Grant. Which of these players has started at least one league game this season? Started at least one game this season. Oidemo Maku, Nif Ruja, Sean Con Sean Jones Carey, Chris McCann. Chris McCann, gone. We we eliminated him already. Started at least one game. Sean Jones Carey, no, he's not in it. Oidemo or Nif Ruja. Oidemo or Nif Eeny Meeny Money Mo. Uh Nif Ruja. Yes, that was a guess. I had a most out of the President's Cup. Of all the players, who has made the fewest league appearances so far this season with six? Barry Cotter, Neil Ferrugia, Oidemo, and Marku, Sean Gallen. This is a tricky prof question. He's a tricky bastard. Ooh, uh, uh, it's not Oidemo. I'm going to say Sean Gannon. No, Neil Ferrugia. Which Rovers players have received the most yellow cards in 2022? Ronan Finn, Lee Grace... Graham Bork, Roberto Lopez. I'd say you have to see Bork, doesn't it? Which Rovers player sees most yellow cards in 2022? I'd say Finn. No, Lopez. Rovers played at which ground the last day of the season 2018? Showgrounds, UCD Ball, Richmond Park, Oriel Park. Oh, uh. Wait, oh. I'm gonna say, did we talk about Showgrounds? Spoil the party! Gary Twig defying gravity. What day of the week did Rovers travel to the showgrounds in the middle of the Europa League with the Icelandic side Stjarnan in 2017? We were in Stjarnan. What Monday, day of the week? Monday, was it Friday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday or Ooh, Monday? It's a Sunday, always after Europe, isn't it Sunday? Yes! That's logic, I like How it. many goals did former Sligo defender Alan Keane score in the hoops' favour in his career? On goals, he always scored loads. Two, four, <laughs> three, one. I'll say three. I'm flying. Can't believe Which you member three, of the Rovers 2006 <laughs> Force Division squad hailed from Rings End? Andy Moyle, Barry Moore for David Cassidy, Ray Kenny, David Cassidy, because we spoke about it the other day. It's Keith Tracy's uncle. Yes. 70%. 7 out of 10, prop. There That's the best one ever. To everyone listening who called it head melt and tough, Gar got 7. That was. Oh, I'm happy with that. I think that's. I think I got eight before actually. Possible assist with the the stats earlier, but we we'll keep that. Clear. Possible assist with the stats. Yeah. So here we go. That is <clears> this week. So what are we moving on to now, Prof? The European we, semi-finals. Just just in general, um, the the, the three competitions have been great, haven't they? In the knockouts, really enjoyable. Um, in the Europa League, I think is it. There's potentially. An all German or an all British final. Uh, you got Roma in the in the conference semis. Uh, obviously, it's shaping up to be a City Liverpool, yeah, Champions League final. And City Liverpool in the cup in the FA, FA Cup semi final. Uh, relevant moment for us. Their number two goalkeeper made a clanger. So so much for them setting Gab for thirty million. I'd because, say we'll do a few quid if we get him because now they might be like let's bring in Gab's number it. two but if we do uh, if he makes a fourth team appearance I guarantee we're a few quid as well so mm. um, Eintracht uh, they beat Our German Bar- friends prof. they beat Barcelona in the quarters and they brought 30,000 fans over there 30,000 prop. That must have been unreal. A few Our old, ultras were over there in the home end as well. A few ultras there. Jorg probably there. Uh, that radio guy, you remember? Sent in radio the, guy. He was brilliant. Sent in the tribute. Uh, I wonder if it was Davey there. Just imagine him like, Davey, Get in the Davey. new account, Davey. <laughs> Not going to work. So Dan Fulham in Luxembourg. Swift, Hesperange. And two points behind F91. Doodle Ange. 
and they play each other next week. Swift winning the league would even seed it. So excellent mm. stuff. Hopefully works out in our um <laughs> Prof your big one next up. Yeah. Highlight your week. Ed Sol's Crumlin have a big uh big game on Sunday. They travel to Colester. No, give me a lip to Colester. Ah, there's no mooching in the Colester. Give us a lip to Colester. Ah, I can't, Michael. So they're away to Colester, Prof. And if they win it, they win the league. And they've been very good this season. They've Al McGreal up front. They've Jake Walker banging them in. 26 goals this season. Uh, Oscar Brennan and Mark Bourne, two of the League of Ireland lads in the middle. They've young lads at the back. Keen Clark, former Rovers and goals. So no one expected it, but they've come out like a bolt from the blue. And they're looking at uh, winning the league this week. So good luck to Ed. Have and it's not- crumbling charges, of course. The hotbed of talent reigns supreme once again. Ed Sol, of course. Uh, supremo. Uh, pride of Ring's End. If you notice, we've been mentioning Ring's End a lot I know, in this yeah. episode. I don't I'm know. sick of it, to be honest, bro. I don't know why we're doing it, but yeah. You seem to be mentioning a lot. Keep that in mind, folks. Yeah, something might pop up. Yeah. So, other edge results from two weeks ago. The Rovers on the 19s won 3 1 in Derry. A result all the more impressive as the hoops were 1 0 down at half time and had a player sent off. Justin Ferrazage on the score sheet and a starlet. He's attracted interest from abroad. 17s won 4 0 away to Bray. The women 19s, they drew 2 all at home to Athlone with a last minute penalty. And the women 17s suffered a heavy defeat to Shelbourne. <coughs> Damien Duff's Shelbourne at the academy. 4 0. He even owns the women's team. Is even the, the women's <laughs> yeah. underage teams? Corio Sullivan and Naj Razi both started for Ireland in the 16th recent game against Serbia. And another two Rovers players were involved Ireland's the Nationals with Maria Reynolds starting for the 19th. Euro qualifier against Greece. And a Hoops teammate, Abby Tuttle, named on the bench. So a good week and all around for internationals. Underage results this past weekend. 19th beat Longford 4 0 Natalia. Item amongst the scorers. 17th lost 2 1 at home to Shells. Damien Duff Shells. And the 15s won 2 0 away to Carl Kilkenny. So the women's drew 2 2 away, the 17s, to P Mounts. And a big well done to one of the 14s. It's Garts, boys. And the 13s who have both qualified for the SFAI Cup finals, beating Middleton and East Mead, respectively, at Rollstone. So tough games. And those finals are to be held next month. And hard luck to World of 12s, beating 3 2 by Pike Rovers after extra time on Sunday's SFAI Cup semi final Limerick. And Brad's made an appearance. So it just shows you how dedicated he is. He dropped down. And our under-14s coach with uh, Gert Paflin, he was featured in episode 4, Clear the Head. Top, top fucking fella, yeah. really top fella, yeah. And our under thirteen side, I think this would have been two weeks ago now, they travelled to uh, the Arsenal Academy in London and performed exceptionally well. The score wasn't given, but I can tell you the score was 4-3 to the hoops. Oh, yes, I like that. And Arsenal are notorious for their younger age teams. <coughs> Fixtures coming up this weekend, Prof. With the 19s away to Athlone on Sunday. 17s are home to Carlo Kilkenny on Saturday. 15s are home to Drada on the Sunday. And the <coughs> women's 19s play Grey. Play Bray and Greystones on Sunday with all 3 o'clock kickoffs. And the women's 17s don't have a game this weekend, so a little rest. And of course, Prof, the big one. Shamrock Rovers summer camps are back in 2022. Bigger, better than ever. In conjunction with our network of partner and affiliate clubs, we will organise 23 camps over 8 weeks in July. 23. Like Michael Jordan of the summer camps. And on that note, here's Tony O'Neill. So I caught up on him at Rolleston a couple of weeks ago, guys, and he was brilliant. It's fascinating insight into how the club and the community officer works and delves deep into the community and just works their way. Something that we've never really heard of. So here's Tony. Okay, so we are here in the Roadstone and we have Tony O'Neill, the community officer from Shamrock Rovers. So Tony, we're going to get straight into the questions. Um, we get some background on you first. So a brief stint in Drimna and then growing up in Donny Kearney. Yeah, I was a Southsider for about two weeks, Gary. Uh, uh, lived in uh, Keeper Road in Drimley and uh, then moved over to Donny Kearney uh, into where 
ancestral home over there with two or three generations of people over there in the same house still today so uh yeah so group group a, a north sider if you like so yeah that's that's where i started off and played football locally there for st martin's yeah so you were at st martin's and you set it up yourselves so tell us a little bit about that no no we set the senior team up but i played for st martin's as a schoolboy so uh but as we got older we needed to we had class team and were in our area one of the bigger clubs in the area um so we set up our own football club when I was around uh, in my early 20s. And that was my kind of introduction to uh, the coaching, if you like. So what I did is I looked at a couple of young fellas around the area that weren't doing anything. And we created a football team for them, an under-17 Premier football team for them. And uh, Cluster Athletic, it was called. And that was just my first introduction into coaching. I just wanted to get these kids out the street. And that's, that's where we started, yeah. And an injury forced you to retire young. You began coaching. Um do you reckon you would have made it without the injury? Oh, I'm not going to go down that road, Gary, to be honest with you. No, no, look, I love, I love playing football like anybody else. And I smashed up my shoulder very young in an accident. And uh, I, I did martial arts as well at the same time. So I was doing football and martial arts at the same time. But I enjoyed both. Uh, but Kevin Warren's brother done my shoulder surgery and he told me to stop playing in goal. And he might as well have chopped off my arm. I played it for another two or three years in goal. But I, I went outfield and I kept getting, I kept getting sent off. Because it was brutal. Because we stick our faces in where most people won't stick their feet in, you know. Um, so goalkeepers are a bit daft like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I got on to, as, as you're probably going to talk about now, I got on to a full-time course then. And that, that, you know, playing football full-time, I, I went into coaching on that course after that course. Yeah, the famous false courses, they um, they formed many League of Ireland players. What was the routine like? Was it coaching every day? I know my brother-in-law's done it and he, thought it was, he said it was the best year of his life. So... Um, give us some insight into how it actually began, or what, how, what your experience of it. For me, it was nearly by mistake. I was, I was out of school, unemployed, um, obviously trying to keep myself busy. Uh, we're talking about the eighties here, right? That's how long, how long ago we're talking about here, early nineties. Sorry. Um, so I fell into a by mistake, and I, I got someone locally said, "Did you hear about this course that was going on?" There's a couple of uh, League of Ireland players on it, but it was also made up of guys that were played in the game, walked in the community in the game. And, I was in the early 20s, so it was um, playing football. Tom O'Connor uh, was the coach with, with Billy Young. And um, we, we just played football every day of the week. They put together a curriculum for us. We did classroom situations, not unlike what we're doing here. Um, and as part of it, you get your coaching badges. So to be honest with you, Gary, I wasn't even thinking about coaching like that at, at the time. I just fell into it. like and, yeah. Uh, yeah, talk to it naturally, because as a goalkeeper, you're chatting to the pitch all the time, aren't you? And it seemed to be... Yeah, and what about college? Did you decide? And what about college? Did you decide what you wanted to go and study, or how did it go about you? Did you what did you tell us what you studied in college? Yeah, I, I was I had two stints in college. I, I went to uh, after school. I, I went to a PLC course down in Clester, so I could get into college in uh, Essex and uh, to study horticulture actually. Uh, that didn't work out uh, as a young kid. Uh, I had other things in my mind. Um, but I went back as a mature student, um, as a 40-year-old mature student, actually, and I studied social science. And the reason why I did that is because I had, at that stage, at 40 years of age, we'd been in and out community work with football. And uh, like I did the same job here as I'm doing here with Shelbourne in 1998. Um, I'll talk you through that in a few minutes. But I, I had been involved at that stage, at 40 years of age, at 20 years of community work, you know. So I went back to college to do social science, psychology, sociology, and anthropology, um, or as my wife called, sociology. Um, <laughs> so to me, it was just kind of getting, um, how do I say, a piece of paper that says that you're you're qualified. A degree is is 
goes a long way and I don't think I would be here today if I didn't get it so um, so you had you pretty much had the smarts and how to deal with it you just had to get the on yeah, paper yeah, to say that yeah, you could do it yeah, look, so it's something that you kind of had a passion in you could say very much so and again let's look at now sometimes you get drawn into things and all of a sudden you realize that you're okay at it and uh, you have an interest in it but everyone wants to help out with thinking football and that's that's why people are drawn to volunteerism and, and uh, I, I did that i worked like i said in prisons i worked in community programs to stop guys going to prisons all sorts of stuff so we backed it up at college and you know you, you learn an awful lot more when you, when you, you have the, the academic side of things yeah, so that, that was my background, yeah. So we'll move on to your Rovers career. How did the move come about and what were you doing before that? How did the move come about? I was with, at the time, I was with, let me see, if I give you a brief history of what I'd I done as a coach, I, I, I was with Galway United, uh, Dave Connell's assistant coach from Galway United in the early 90s, we'd say. Um, uh, Dave got let go, is probably the best way to say it. Um, <laughs> um, I spent 10 years in the now St. Kevin's, went from St. Kevin's to Belvedere, and I think I was at Belvedere when I, I got, I had a couple of conversations with some people that were over here. So I was about two or three years coaching with, with Belvo, and uh, we had a great side, we got the two All-Ireland finals back to back, and someone noticed the coaching that was going on and said to me, would you like to come over here? That's the long story short, really. And yeah, yeah. I came over and I met Robbo, and uh, I was straight with Robbo when I came over here. I says, uh, I want to be a community officer. I did it 20 years ago at Shelbourne, and that's what I want to do again because that's where my background is. And at that time, Graham had left. Okay. Graham Garland had left, uh, and there was an opening, but uh, Robbo didn't say yes straight away. He said, That's interesting because th- th- that's like something that we might need, you know. So I showed him my background and I wrote a letter to him and Jonathan Roach, and uh, then we got together and had a couple of meetings about it, and that's, that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing. And you've also worked with Kieran Kane, newly elected onto the members board at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, what work did you do with Kieran? Well, he's, he's, Kieran's the chairman of uh, Granada Football Club, um, one of our affiliates. Um, a very proactive individual and, you know, we have nearly 30 odd affiliate clubs now at the moment and some are more proactive than others and they're all trying to get there in fairness to them. Like I said, volunteerism is, is uh, Listen, it's a vocation nearly, you know what I mean? It's a very, very hard thing to do. But Kieran's one of those individuals that is very proactive, very successful individual, and he's torn that club around over there in Granada. So I, I, I would have regular conversations with Kieran. We'd put in place uh, a lot of coach-to-coach sessions over there. For, for, for example, I'm going over to uh, Fox Rock, um, what's a parish hall now, pretty soon, to talk to 50 to 100 of their coaches about sports ecology. So. He would be proactive and organising stuff. Like me and him would bounce ideas off each other. And I have many, many guys in, in, in football clubs like that as well that I, yeah, we're we're able to get. But you want to meet kindred souls like that. And he's one of them, you know. And now I'm delighted that he's actually working on the members board as well. You know, so it's brilliant for us. So as community officer, you identify three areas that are essential: schools, community clubs, and local events. So we'll start with the schools. Have you put anything in place to ultimately grow the Rovers' presence within schools? I think it's something that's been lacking for the last since their inception in Tallaght. You could say. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I always stand on the shoulders of the work that the likes of Graham did and, and, and Shane did. Shane Robinson, our academy manager, put a lot of the partner clubs in, in place and the schools programs in place. So I stand on the shoulders of the work that they do. So we go into some of the similar schools that um, that they that Graham was working in, and, and uh, you know we've about twenty or twenty-five different schools that we go into across a month. So it'd be me and Owen O'Mara, Owen works part-time for. For Shamrock Rovers, but he also manages the under 17 girls. We managed the under 19 girls, and uh, he's uh, very proactive in the community as well for us during the day. So, yeah, okay, so there's different types of scenarios that we have in schools. We have um, 
I'd say we'd go in and we'd walk with a PE class or something like that, and uh, we'd, we'd do a little coaching with some of the kids. There's that, there's the STEM program, the, uh, what you call it, the robotics program, the coding program that we introduced this year to desk schools. There's about nine, 10 schools there after getting about uh, fairness to them. You know, the union sponsored us, I think it's 11,500 euros worth of robotic equipment, how we teach coding. So it has all the Shamrock Rovers branding on it, and the kids uh, learn to do these coding exercises and move these robots around the floor. And basically, what they're learning how to do, the best way to describe this, Gary, is you and I did uh, IQ tests when we were in school. Mm. Uh, coding and digital stuff is going to be the new IQ, right? So the, the schools that can't afford this, we're working with these schools, and uh, we have people regularly uh, teaching classes on coding from five year olds, six year olds, with Shamrock Rovers branding equipment, if you like. So. How do you spread awareness in a school? First of all, you have to have a presence there. Second of all, you have to have a collaboration there, you know. But we don't just walk in schools, you do after school programs. So, uh, for instance, MacIllian is a, is, a, is a place up in the back of Jogstown. Um, we do a lot of walking. Yeah, upside St. Aidan's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do a lot of walking in areas like this. We're starting again after the Easter holidays. We do six weeks in there. After school program where the kids come out. And they just play little matches, nothing, nothing, no culture around like that. But, I mean, 80 to 100 of them torn up every every week. We do that. We're trying to do the same thing in Clondalk and now going forward because that's another area that we're working in. Um, and we're going to try to do some pro bono work. You'll see summer camps and all that. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, that's where we charge kids and blah, blah, blah. But we'll do some work in, in McIllian where we won't charge the man at all because, well, you know, let, let's use the brand for something very, very proactive and positive and, and keep them off the streets for yeah. a couple of days. But these kids love playing football. So it's not just about keeping them off the streets. It's about giving them something that they love to do. So... So they'd be playing football, you get 80 to 100 kids turning up, and then at the end, would it be a case of saying, okay, well, there's a place for you now in Tanlet and Shamrock Rovers to go and watch these guys and maybe possibly emulate your heroes? Is that the way you could? Be, is that the way it is at the end of the session? Well, we actually got a couple of kids from these programmes to come over to the, the nursery over here on a Sunday morning. They're actually now Shamrock Rovers nursery people, so and we sponsored that, and we, we made sure that everything was good. But, I mean, look, for us, it's, it's uh, about dealing with different... Uh, social issues and different demographics so as I said that's my background I studied sociology so I'm very very interested in being proactive and so was Michael Kinsley as well the director of football from uh, Tala Town we do a lot of work together even though Tala are not an official, official affiliate club of Bears Michael yeah I don't I, think we'll talk about the war yeah, on that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, no no me and Michael talk about it a lot but what I'll say is we do that with Robbie DeCorsi from the FAO and we overlap a lot of services so schools as you, as you pointed out we can go into a school uh do PE classes, we can do the computer programs, we can coach school teams, we can do after school programs, but it's all to promote the awareness of the football club, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds brilliant. And yeah. there's something that I think that it's only a small thing, but as a Rover Schools Cup, is, I, I thought it'd be a great idea. So you'd have all the schools in Tallaght, put them into a last 16 or group stages and whatever like that, and then you'd have the final in Tallaght Stadium. So um, is that something you would consider? And um, it, could, it could grow popularity in the, in the area. There is. <coughs> There has been conversations before. I think just coming out of lockdown, like uh, just getting stuff done, is the first part of it, isn't it? First couple yeah, of months. Yeah. But I think that's a great idea because um, uh, you know sometimes you're in some schools longer than you're in others, and it would be brilliant. So not all Robbie, of course, you do something similar with the FAO. They do their, they bring all the schools together nationally. So why can't we do it early? You know? Yeah. No, I'm always open to such ideas, and, and I'll always sit down with people who, who have ideas and bring them to the table. So yeah, no problem at all. And um, so how has the reaction been from the schools in general? I mean, Old Bond used to have a bond to pick with Rovers years ago. There's a big one there. So 
Uh, has everyone been accepting to you? And in particular, like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of schools could have a, a big GA affiliation, so were they welcoming when you actually turned up? I've never experienced any anything bad, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think what we're offering basically sometimes is, is, is teachers, we're offering a helping hand, really, you know, um, and a lot of times they really, really welcome that, you know, uh, especially, like I said, as, as the stem cell educational stuff and all that, they love that, you know. Yeah. So, no, I've never experienced anything bad, and, and uh, you know, we need to get out into more schools in Tallaght. We're, we haven't, you know, we have whatever staff we have, so we get there as much as we can, and, and uh, we're trying to get out into the into the other areas where our partner clubs are as well. So it's not just Tallaght, it's, uh, you know, it's Temple Oak and it's it's Lucan and it's Cardiff. We're out in Cardiff on Friday morning, so um, we're, we're two people, so we can get on the ground as much as we can get on the ground, but never really experienced any, anything negative, you know, and as far as the Gaelic is concerned, it's all positive to me. Kids yeah. are playing football, kids are playing Gaelic, it doesn't bother me what they're doing as long as they're busy, yeah. you know. So community clubs, this has been one a big success story. So you can see the affiliate clubs and the pitch at halftime, the East Stand children on the hoops, and uh, give the fans some insight into the work that goes on into these relationships. And I'm sure it can be complicated at times trying to build these relationships and have trust. So yeah. how, how does how how do you do that? Yeah, you know that's that's the best way to describe it, relationships because you do have to get to know people and uh, coming through what we've just come through over the last couple of years. Some clubs nearly went to the wall and they're not moving as good as they were moving prior to lockdown and so on. So some of them would say to you, is there any chance you just give us a bit of time we're only getting ourselves back together again? We try to help, that's what we try to do. We don't tell them what to do. We we go to them and say to them, how can we help? You know. So uh, just if I can give you an insight into what we really do. Uh, like I said earlier on, our academy manager, Shane Robinson, uh, put in place a partner club model uh, nearly four and five years ago now. Um, Cardiff, Lucan United, um, Temple Oak United. And what that basically is, is these three football clubs, we work with our coaches, we coach their players on their training ground uh, whenever possible. Uh, but also now what's at the start and happen now is we bring their teams over en masse and they train here in the hall uh, every second week, right? So, you know, it could be their eights and their nines. We train for uh, every second week for four, four sets and then they bring in two or whatever. So we're, it's great. We've evolved it and Shane is the one that takes part in the sessions. I do too sometimes and Shane gets to see the players. Instead of me just going out and giving him second-hand feedback, the partner club model is a, is a player development model, all right? Um, Ultimately, that's what it is. It's a player yeah, development yeah, 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 very much so. So what, what we try to do is we try to help the coaches see if, sometimes everybody knows a little bit more than somebody regardless of what the field is so what we try to do is if we have a little bit of knowledge or a session that we want our, our players or our coaches here to become proficient with we we make that transparent to them we give that session to them right yeah uh, so we, we it's always an ongoing thing you know like i said it's you're coming out of a really really crazy situation so sometimes these clubs might lose coaches and they're trying to replace them so the, the, the wheels of each football club turns fast sometimes and turns slow some other times this is all a human situation so your description of it being relationships is the best way to describe it. You know, you have to keep talking, you have to keep talking. And sometimes there's pits and there's troughs and there's successes and there's, okay, let's start again. So we're very, very flexible with each other. And there's good relationships. And I think we're very, very proud of it, you know, the way it's gone. But we can always do better. The affiliate club model is is different, right? And it's uh, the best way to describe the affiliate. Some clubs that we were working with um, in Talent that we maybe fell out with over the years or whatever, we're always trying to help in any way, shape or form. Can we get working with them again? And uh, We won't name them, but we're, we're always there for them. And they know that. And we talk to them all the time. And sometimes we go out and we coach their coaches. Sometimes we, we bring the cup out to the club. And anything that w- will help lift spirits. Um, 
even even Tata Town, if we don't want to mention, we have gone out and coached coaches on on the on the training ground. We do it and we do it again because Michael's that open and progressive, as I said before. Um, and we always do that with any club that wants us to come out. So an affiliate model is completely different. We're going to coach the coaches. We won't coach the football players because League of Ireland clubs in the past have been guilty of taking players from smaller football clubs. So we never put ourselves in that situation. Okay. We just coach coaches. And in return, it's like a barter system. They come to matches for us, right? So we'd go into affiliate clubs sometimes once a month, sometimes once every, every two months. Uh, whenever we can, whenever it's available, we go in and we work with them. We coach their coaches. Now what's starting to happen is we bring them over here. Uh, and again, like, like the partner clubs, they're starting to come to uh, Roadstone and seeing some of the sessions. They watch sessions and sometimes their teams are now starting to come over as well. So yeah. it's evolving, everything's evolving. And we're always open to, to new ideas. We brought a bunch of them in here and showed them what we do in the round of sports psychology as well. So I'm gonna talk about that in a few minutes if you'd like to. Um, so the word you used again is my favorite description of relationships. Because I, I, I'll be straight with you, right? I, I worked with Shelbourne in 1998. I think you call it Dufferborn, do you? Duffer shells, Duffer as you shells, may refer right, to them, right. please, Tony. Duffer shells, right. <laughs> I worked with them in 1998 for two or three seasons, right? So that's how long I'm doing what I'm doing. I was down in Galway United for a season. Now I'm back over here again, full circle, right to a different football league of Ireland club. But I always thought that um, we think we can just turn on the lights on Friday night and people will come to matches. That's, it's not happening. That's it's evolved now, hasn't it? Yeah, you're going to have to do something about it, right? So we're, we're trying to get out there and... and Get to know the people in our community that are about an hour from us, you know, south side of Dublin. We're working in Circle there. You understand me? We're working yeah. in Baldo, you know, on the north side of Dublin. Now we're working in Clester, Duny Kearney, where I'm from originally. So we're everywhere. And we plan to extend that next year and the year after again, you know. So I think you on. spoke about um, someone may not necessarily know what you know and someone may have better knowledge on the subject that you might have. I think that's I think that's brilliant. So it's a case of egos at the door and come in and let's all just work yeah. and progress. Well, when you're teaching, you're learning at the same time, you know. So, you know, I love going out coaching coaches because they're football people. They're, they're giving up their time. You know, you might have a, a, a guy that was an awesome football player and now he wants to be a coach and he's in that group. So he's he's giving feedback on the sessions that you just put on. Or you, you might have, more, more often than not, you're talking about a parent who's been handed a bunch of footballs, cones, bibs, and basically he's herding cats for a whole season and he's chasing <laughs> his tail and he, he needs help you know he does his pdp1 or a FOSS course or excuse me an fai course but them courses themselves don't cover the reality of what has to go in so we have fundamental sessions so we bring out them fundamental sessions and we we show these coaches how these sessions work and we keep revisiting creating an environment in them football clubs where they can make mistakes during coaching sessions and they, they grow in confidence and we get the feedback and the dialogue it's great this course brilliant you know this is a really deep subject when you think about it and i didn't think it was actually as complicated because the word complicated is probably apt because there's so much to it to these relationships there's a lot going on so as i think your background is perfectly suited for that listen to be honest with you like i said to you you meet so many people uh, in these football clubs and you have to take your hat off to them because the amount of time that they give, I get paid to do what I do and I'm in the biggest football club in the country and I love doing what I do. But these guys are slogging. And I mean, to mm. keep these clubs going, it's a slog. So um, I'm privileged to go out and work with them, you know the way? So that's the way I, I kind of... And, and some, we don't always agree on stuff. So And that's all right too, I think, you know. And 
I'm not going out there, never going out there telling someone how to run a football club. I wouldn't do that, right? But every now and again, you meet that evangelist, like the likes of Kieran Kane, who is just really works hard for the community and he goes beyond. And there's, there's players, there's people uh, in clubs. So I, I could name names where we hear all day. Every single club seems to have a bunch of guys, a hardcore group of guys that are the heart and soul of it. And it's a pleasure to work with them. Yeah. The truth is, they're keeping these things going. And these clubs are really necessary to the communities, you know. Mm. So, uh, like I said, you're teaching, but you're learning, you know. So, we're going to talk about uh, schemes and local businesses, charities. So, what would you think about having pick-up points for kids' tickets in exchange for maybe some airplay on the podcast or exposure in the programme, like Rovers, a local patron partnership uh, scheme, maybe. You now, I know there's a lot more to it. And you can't just throw tickets at fans or, or, or new fans. But what do you think about working with locally with businesses and charities like that? I, I think any initiative, doesn't matter what it is, deserves serious respect. So if you're going to do something like that, you have to get a group of people that are knowledgeable uh, in and around it. Now we have marketing, excuse me, marketing department in, in Reen Wogan, uh, new CEO Dennis Donahue. Now they're they're the people that would you'd want to be getting on board with stuff like that mm. and. Uh, if you have new ideas, we're always looking for new ideas. Now, I have to would say, Kieran coming on board, the, the, the members' uh, board, he's got a stack of ideas like that, you know. So, yeah. that type of stuff that you're talking about, the Tala Cup, uh, these are all great ideas, and that's this, you know, all, all it's for is invigorating the area. So, it's a positive. So, for me, yeah, I'd go for it. But what you have to do, and I, I remember having a good conversation with Mark Lynch about this when, when I first took the position, you want to be more proactive than reactive doing community work because. If you're saying yes to everything, you're really only it's only piecemeal. So this type of thing that you're talking about deserves respect. It deserves a group of people that would sit down and uh, really get stuck into that level of initiative because it's not going to work other than that. And we have a couple of things that have been brought to the table over the last couple of months. And you have a meeting about them, but nothing ever happens. It's the reason being is because it's not given enough time. So I would always give anything respect, but it needs to be followed up on, followed yeah. up on, followed up on, and then it really becomes something. Everybody same. needs to be on the same level and Absolutely. on board with it for it Absolutely. to work. And but then you have to repeat it. You understand? When you're when you're having meetings about something like that, you can't just have throw forward an idea. It's no different than the podcast. It has to have momentum and it has to gather momentum. Therefore, it needs detail and it needs people and it needs commitment. And that's a hard thing to do. You know, that's what I always say about affiliations and partnerships and initiatives. There's no sense in starting them unless you're actually there. Yeah. You know, you put a decent foundation into them, and that's going to build on that foundation. So. So community and local events in and around the stadium, maybe a 5k radius. Is there anything we can do as a club to make that more of a rover stronghold? I mean, there's houses in and around Springfield, the apartments at the square. Maybe, if you, like you said, it's it's easy to throw free tickets at people, but is there anything we could do to kind of follow it up and turn it into a real rover's heartland? That's interesting. Um, I don't think it's any different than, than the last question, though. I think it's, you know, you could get a, group, a think tank of people together. Um, you know, handing out free tickets. Um, I'm not a big believer in free tickets. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, yeah. I don't think when anyone gets something, we change that model within the football club. Anyone gets something for free on a regular basis is not going to appreciate it. You know. Yeah. So Rovers is a brand and, and has to have respect. So uh, initiatives in and around the stadium. Um, I've heard a bunch of ideas on this in the past, and again, this is what I'm trying to say to you, Gary. When you hear ideas about stuff, uh, it's just it's blowing in the wind, right? You need to sit down and have meetings and you need to have groups of people that are dedicated to something like that. Um, we have a great staff in the office over there. Reen Wogan is a really talented individual, so is Dennis. And 
what you need to do if you have ideas like this you need to email these guys and say okay i need to set up a meeting and let's let's talk about it because yeah. that, that to me is just uh, another fantastic idea how you structure it is the most important thing because there's so many stuff going on it just yeah it'll overlap that and then all of a sudden and that's that's where i used to dislike when i was in in at the early stages as a, as a young community officer i would have made a lot of mistakes but learned from their mistakes there's always a flavor of the month mm. do you know what i'm trying to say yeah. And a lot of clubs that I work with in the past, someone would come up with a, a bright idea, a light go off, and everyone go, wow, that's brilliant. But it would be replaced by something else two or three days later. So it has no real merit unless someone gets together and forms a committee around it. And that's a hard thing to do, you know? Yeah. So I focus on what I can control. I'm a coach. I go out to football clubs. And a lot of what I've done is based around coaching. We have had conversations now in the football club to say it's another aspect of a community officer that you could bring in, and we are talking about that at the moment. Someone that specialises in this type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, social inclusion. I've talked to Michael Kinsel about this a lot, um, because it is needed. And I do a little bit of charity work, and I can talk to you about that if we want it. But, yeah. Tell um, us about the charity work that you're involved with. Well, we've done the Breakthrough uh, Beacon of Light programme here, um, which was a, a men's mental health programme um, at the end of last year we did 10 weeks here uh, a group of participants took part in the program for 10 weeks and uh, those guys it's based out of um clondalkin and um, jeff mccarthy is the guy that runs it it's a wonderful program and we're going to be working with it again in september we we allocate a certain amount of time to different because you can't do everything if you know yeah, what i'm trying to say so yeah. there's your slot you can have them 10 weeks uh, then there's an after school program that can have six weeks that we try to just slot everything in because we we don't want to make sure that we're we're just ticking a box. Um, so that particular program was culminated in a, in a football match against a bunch of politicians uh, here. So we're staff. Did they need players? Yeah, you really show the next time you're more than welcome to come along. We're always looking for it, you know. Because uh, that was popular. People wanted to play in that match, you know. Um, but we, look, like I said, it was a, a men's mental health program. Um, it was fantastic. It was for, for men over 18, between 18 and 35. And uh, the participants were very consistent and it got a lot out of it. And, uh, you could see the benefits of it, right? So I think what I'm getting from this is that what what I'm loving from your positive attitude is that you, everything has to be followed up on. Don't just put something in place and then there you go, that's grand, that'll work. You're following up on things and you're you're seeing it through to the end. So I think that's that's ultimately been really positive for the club. Yeah, look, I mean, I can I can improve. Everybody can improve. I, we, we've actually had disagreements with some of the clubs you were working because they wanted certain stuff done. I said, I can't stand over that because um, there's not enough time allocated to it or there's not enough quality allocated to it. And I'll say no to it. And again, when I spoke to Mark Lynch at the start of this, I said to him, um, Mark, if we're saying yes to everything, we're, we're going to be useless at most things, you know, because we're going to be doing, we're so thin on the ground, it's going to be. So we have to be proactive. And therefore, what we're doing. In the community has to have a solid structure to it and it is it's getting better again i always admit that we can improve on things and, and uh, you know social media and brutal that stuff like that so i have yeah. to get someone who's good at it and we do we have good people so we, we pass on stuff to the club and they get stuff out there and uh, that's i think we can always improve on stuff like that you know and uh but you do have to always remain positive because it is a bit of a slog and it's seven days a week so yeah uh, you have to you have to remain positive yeah so we're going to move on now and we're going to talk about attendances and things like this. And uh, Do you feel that we're underperforming attendance-wise every week considering the population and the talent? So we have a bit of an example here. We have Bromby. It's a suburb in Co Copenhagen. Uh, Bromby Vester. Population of 20k. And their average attention, attendance upwards of 10,000 every every game. They had 14,000 at a home loss last night. Here in Vane is a town and a club itself. 
population just over 50k an average of 18,000 last season so do you think that we can be up there with those clubs eventually I mean and, and, and try and compete as a as a, a Tala was what 75,000 yeah well look I think we have a great starting place we, we were a wonderful force team playing brilliantly attractive football Stephen's a great manager doing a great job we've got the best facilities in the whole country we have a growing um, partner and affiliate club programme um, and that's if you looked at the end of the season last year we had some record numbers right now a lot of those got to do with Stephen picking up a trophy at the end of the year people want to be a part of that mm. but if you look at across the board that day the amount of new football clubs that started to come to the match towards the end of the last season um, and I'll tell you what when you're out in the community and you talk to people right even in Tally a lot of the people would say that we want to get involved but we don't know how to get involved Right, and it's no one's fault. Remember this: it's not no one's blaming nobody, because that's useless. Uh, that's a fool's errand, right? So what we need to do is we need to control what we can control, and what we can control is our relationship with these this fan base. So we need to figure out ways of growing it. Some of the ideas that you come up with today are interesting, and we should talk about them going forward. Um, but we're looking for what I call evangelists, right? Yeah. People in each one of these football clubs that we can actually work with, because these are the guys that are actually going to motivate people to come to football matches, right? Uh, we can put on little packages and you know make it attractive to people but I always say that we're very very lucky because we'll get repeat business because of the style of play and the, and the entertainment that the team actually provides you know you're going there and you're going to get a great nights football mm. and this, the atmosphere is awesome you know so um, do I think we're underperforming I think we're getting better at our attendances um, like I say you know we're going to have a 10,000 seater stand in the next two years I think it is um, so my job is to fill that stand as much as I can, and I, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I don't know anything about Bromby <laughs> or anybody over there and what they do and why they do. But all I know is we're we're starting off from where we're starting off, and that's the only place we can start. So we're, being we're relatively new as well when you think yeah, about it. I mean, yeah. we're 2009, so it is baby steps. But I think I think we're doing quite well for what we're. Yeah. But those are just examples mm-hmm. of small little t- towns and suburbs. But um, I think the baby steps have been doing pretty well for the time being. Yeah, look, look, I said. I'm fairly fortunate. I think at the moment I'm the only full-time community officer in the whole league. I think there's a bunch of part-time guys and, and uh, the clubs are looking at it now. They're looking at what we're doing because I, I talk to guys. We had clubs ring us up actually after the, the launch of the affiliate and partner clubs. Mm. And they're asking us, what is it that you're doing and how are you doing it? And we don't tell anybody anything. It's not rocket science really. It's just yeah. like you said earlier on. It's relationships. So we know that it's not about just turning on the lights on a Friday night. We have to get to know our community and that's what we're doing proactively and I think that's all that we can concentrate on now and it's getting momentum and it's getting better and better and better so yeah that's the way forward so summer camps Tony you are the summer camp master so tell us you've a few years running them now and you've a couple going on at the same time so tell me tell us about the summer camps right so um, the summer camp started off we did two three years ago outside Rollstone for the first time the first time we did camps outside Rollstone uh, we just worked with uh, Lucan and Temple Oak so last year we had 12, okay, um, great success, great time. We used their players here as coaches, which is great for the kids to see. Um, great role models, you know, Sean McCrovers, future first team players, um, coaching them. So we're just trying to create an environment where we're collaborating even again, even better again with these football clubs. And the summer, there's nothing better than the summer camp because it's a full-time experience, right? It's great crack. Sometimes you might get decent weather. Everyone feels good during the summer, right? And um, what we do is we we do everything for the football clubs. All they provide is basically the the, the facility and the the advertisement within their football club. And yeah. um, we do everything for them 
from moment go, the phone call I had a second ago was just about admin. So as soon as it's gone live this week, as soon as it goes live, the application goes live, we look after the admin all the way to the end of August. All the customer care. We do everything for them, provide the coaches, the curriculum, obviously the kit. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful environment. And at the end of it, what we do is we have to profit with the club that we're working with. So we it's do everything. It's a win-win. Yeah, we do everything for them, and we give them money at the end of it. So um, they're they're loving it, and they sometimes we involve their coaches in it as well. You know, we might be one or two seventeen-year-olds off school this summer. Do you want a bit of work? Yeah, great. Again, collaboration, relationships evolving. It's we're, I'm always just trying to look for ways to do that. And summer camps is is a fun way of doing it, you know, and it's a very successful way of doing it. We're doing twenty-four this summer. My target is 15 two years' time. 50 in one summer? Yeah, man, absolutely. And I have to be honest with you, um, that's possible. That's possible. And I think this, what it does is, remember, it's not, so summer camp is eight weeks. We'll, we'll be walking with all them clubs all the way across the, the season as well. So, you know, we'll be seeing players that are evolving, girls' players, boys' players that are evolving. The relationship is going to be evolving with our football. We have a network on the ground, really, you know. That's what, you know. So the summer camp is, is a... It's just one element of that, and it's a great element of it. It's a fun aspect of it, but there's a lot more to it than, than just that, if you understand me. The affiliations are all about us spreading our, our feel of influence is the best way to describe it, I suppose. And you could, ultimately, let's say you do approach a club that you're not affiliated with and that, that you don't have a relationship with, and you say, OK, we'll put a summer camp on. You could end up as an affiliate, or you could end up having a good relationship if you find one of these evangelists, as you speak yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, we're always talking to new clubs. Of, I mean, as I said, we've got... I think we've got three partner clubs and I think it's 30 affiliate clubs but I'm still talking to another 10 mm. um, with that in mind next summer so we're already starting to yeah. organise next summer uh, but what we're really doing is we're, we're saying to them how can we help and that's how we, if you, I don't know if you've seen the, the video on the or the article on the on the website um, we're basically saying to people how can we help because if you have a, a club like Shamrock Rovers and the knowledge that's here the 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 experience that's here, the, the guys that played serious football matches over the years are now coaches and they're top level coaches and they're A license coaches and pro license coaches. The knowledge that's here and with the manager and the stuff that we're learning all the time, the full time aspect of this place, we can actually turn it into an educational drive if you like. And that's there's a lot in that, you know. Yeah, there's, a yeah. lot, there's, a, there's a lot in that, really and truly. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking around now as yeah, we are absolutely. sitting in the. The classroom, the transition year classroom, am I right? Shamrock Rovers on the yeah. wall, Ashfield College yeah. on the wall, and this is the epicenter of talent that's nurtured within the academy. Mm. So tell us why we're sitting here and what happens in, in this room. We have a... We, we just watched a little video of Gavin Bazunu pulling yeah. off worldies there, so... Yeah, we... Okay, and um, we have a transition year programme for the first time this year. We piloted it for the first time. There's, uh, there's nine kids on it. Um, so they do English Irish maths and they do their normal subjects that they do here. But they do leadership programs with Stephen Gray, uh, match analysis with Joe Adabakoff, um, you know, they do the sports science with Owen Donnelly, Donnelly, and they do the Rover's mindset with me. Uh, Rover's mindset is basically our take on um, okay, up to last year we were in seven finals in three years and we got beaten in them seven finals of, you know, I could show you some of the videos. So we show the kids uh, some of that that match analysis and we say to them look at the body language of the players and we started off there basically we want to improve their knowledge of how to perform under pressure yeah. so that's what the rovers mindset class is about uh, the transition year next year will be twice the size 
and uh, it's a holistic thing. It's about us actually not just coaching football players, it's about us developing people because they might not become football players. So how do they go out and face the world? So this is, we have a skill here now. And we're going to have a rap school in relation to Asheville College, which is in Dundrum. Some of the best teachers in the country are coming over here teaching their kids maths, English, Irish, and science. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. It's very, very successful. They're all going to graduate in a couple of weeks' time. And they're going to have to do a presentation to Stephen Bradley, Stephen McPhail, uh, Shane Robinson. They're going to have to do a presentation about what they learned this year. So we started off, the first week where we were working with them, we got them to stand up in front of the class and they just shriveled, you know. So we've been basically teaching would they have been thinking still in the mindset of oh this could be embarrassing for me or is it about bringing out the inner character in these kids and just making them grow you remember what it was like when you're 15 16 exactly. years of age right so you're standing in front of all your, your mates but you're standing for me and two or three other people and uh, for the first time and yeah it would have been terrifying that little space at the top of the classroom that square yard is terrifying so you can see their body language and stuff like that so it's called fight or flight or freeze and we explain to them what happens to the mind when you're put in situations of pressure, right? So it could be a football match, it could be a life situation, it could be an interview, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, the, the brain acts a certain way. We understand why the brain acts that way, so we teach them about them things. So I'm saying to myself, could I imagine what I, if we had had that information when we were 16, right? So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to produce not just guys that can play for the first team, but guys that can deal with most situations in life and they go out into the real world. That's what this program is about. So yeah. it's now we're really proud of because it's an educational program and I, I'm, I'm proud to be involved. I, I wear a couple of hats here. I'm the community officer. We, I'm the, 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 the lecturer in, the, in Rovers Mindset and I'm the under-19s manager for the women's team. So that's Busy what... Man. I'm, yeah, I'm nearly schizophrenic. <laughs> right? So look, it's, it's, it's a privilege. And, you know, we, we, we're always trying to improve it. And I'm just reading on the whiteboard here, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit and that's something that you're trying to drill in to the the students well if it you know what if you're going to turn professional that's your ambition well then turn professional in your mind now when your when your feet hit the floor in the morning you know the certain behaviors that you should really be doing as a professional your certain habits that you have to develop routines and sacrifices that you're going to have to make and we make them aware of that this is, the great thing about this is uh, we're able to measure what we do here and uh, so this has been a huge step up for us, you know. Stephen Gray runs the program with Joe Adabakoff, and I'm one of the lecturers on it. Stephen Gray runs a brilliant program, and it's going to get better and better. So, and the whole point behind it is just to, to produce the holistic person to the best of, of our abilities, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's excellent. So we're going to venture out of the classroom now. We're going to take a little tour with Tony, and I've seen some famous faces already. I've seen Aiden Price floating around somewhere, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a little tour of the roads now. So we're walking around now, and Tony, so we're just about to head into the little restaurant here. And on our left, tell us about this. Last time I was here, this was all concrete on my left-hand side. So tell us a little bit. I'm looking at bikes. I'm looking at all sorts here. So tell us a little bit. We're going up for an aerial view by the looks of it. So yeah, tell us about what we're doing now. We've converted the, the hall here in Roadstone into an all-weather pitch and a gym. So um, state-of-the-art uh, gym. And it's, I think it costs us 75,000 euros as far as I know. So what we're going to see here is a, is a great overview. We have the balcony here. So Is this where Brad's our picks off his first team choices, is it? You know yourself, that's, this, is, this is the war room, eh? yeah. So what we're doing here, if you, if you can see, they're doing a um, centre-forward finishing exercise. So it's just an awareness exercise. That's Dale down there. He's, he's also our scout, so um, he's, he's teaching the forwards. Uh, I think it's the 10s and the 11s. It's the 11s and the 12s, sorry. 
Um, so they're, they're just awareness exercises how to improve their the information that they take in and when to finish and when not when to lay it off and stuff like that so it's all awareness yeah so even on a good friday there hard at work here and you have i'm looking down i've got weights benches of spinning classes this is really impressive you got the sound system on like it's a really really good atmosphere the problem with it is some of the music is dreadful <laughs> yeah. i'm getting old that's what it is now look it's, it's this is a vibrant part this is where the first team will come in uh, early morning monday and, and you know recovery sessions and, and uh, all sorts of stuff so it's, it's hard at it we have strength and conditioning programs all the time so it's a it's a, a vibrant part of the football club now it's a really evolving everything that we do we have a sports science people in here that are working full time so it's, it's great yeah. so we're going to walk down a little bit towards now we're going to, we're going to head outside now but it looks of it so Tony, tell us, I mean, the whole atmosphere that surrounds the Roadstone. And when you hear the Roadstone, personally for me, you think of excellence. So what's next on the cards for Roadstone? Is there any more developments planned? Um, yeah, there's a, a grant coming online for actually walk up this way. There's a grant coming online for floodlights up on the main pitch up the back. So, uh, you know, we'll have a grass pitch with floodlights on it. And it's, uh, when we get up there, I'll, I'll show you the area that we're talking about. We already have, obviously, the all-weather and the seven-a-side pitch and the, and the grass pitch. But... Um, yeah, we're always trying to evolve, and I think it's it's something that uh, reflects the excellence of, of those in charge and all, and, and, and our vision and the, and the board that's behind them as well. So it's it's uh, yeah. We'll be putting on our own five-a-side down the summer here. We're hoping that you'll be getting the boots on. We're gonna put a team in yourself. We always have Brad's are playing. He put he puts in a team. Robbo puts in a team, and uh, there's uh, there's no pulling out of tackles in this one, Tony. Well, Gary, I did tell you what I'm looking tackles. I'm brutal, so it's, it's up to you, mate. I don't mind. It's, it's, be careful what you wish for. I always say, yeah. Uh, so we're walking down. I know the training gears on my right here. That's the yes. So, the lockups here. We're all so the lockups are all down here. So this is where all the training gear I'll is. Locked up now, in fairness. Um, and uh, as we move left, we're coming up to the dressing rooms, I believe. Yeah, yeah, the main dressing room here on the left-hand side, um, the, the large dressing room is, is uh, like it's, it's, like I said, yeah, it's, it's a hub on the, on the weekend. It's a hub of activity, and we have the there's four dressing rooms in there. We have the the uh, physio room straight after, the referee rooms, and the physio room straight after. And um, this is this is the phase where we're at, at the moment. So it's. Uh, so initially this was opened by, uh, well we won't name the individual, but it was opened a couple of years ago and um, the, we're going to head in to the dressing rooms now. And initially it was a football building, but this is the, the temporary structure that we have now. So we have the Shamrock Rovers dressing room, we're actually in it now and we've got the crests adorned all over the wall and this is where it all goes down. Yeah, like I said, the first team will be in here. Um training and so as you can see our boot room is there and oh here's the boot room we're gonna have yeah. to go in and have a little look inside here smells absolutely terrible but we've uh we've we've certainly some dodgy footwear as well in here tony yeah look and all the boots takes all sorts yeah so it's all the teams get to use this dressing room on the weekend so it's not just a force team dressing room like the 19 girls like i said as i'm the manager of the 19 girls it's a wonderful preparation room uh you know it's great to have it and if the away teams that come here marvel at it, you know, because of the size of it. And the, even though it's only, as you pointed out, a temporary structure, um, it's still way ahead of an awful lot of the structures that a lot of the teams Way have ahead, yeah. yeah. Massively ahead, yeah. yeah. So we're walking down to the main training pitch now, and um, we have the likes of... I mean, there's no first team players in today, so on, on a before game, before a game actually kicks off on a Friday night under the lights in Tallaght, 
would the players ever be here doing analysis or would they have their own little routine individually? No, that's not something that um, I'd be 100% aware of, to be honest with you, because a lot of the time Stephen would probably have them resting at the moment. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to talk on that. That's, uh, you know, they have, to, they have their routines and uh, I wouldn't say to be around here though. You know? it's, unless someone is injured, they'd be probably working out in the gym. But other than that, they'd be resting up because, as you know, there's an important issue of a match tonight, isn't there? So they, yeah. that's, that's what they're spending most of their day doing today, I'd say. But then they have the routine prior to the match and maybe one day you can interview Stephen Bradley and tell you exactly how that works, yeah. you know? Uh, so we're coming up to the pitch now. We've got an 11 aside. What else have we got? Just tell us about some of the facilities that we have for the young guys and, and the force team as well. There's gym equipment, there's everything. Tell us about the pitches that are here. Yeah, I'll talk to you about the, the gym. Is, the outdoor gym is up the very, very top there. We'll talk about that in a second. But this is our, uh, our all-weather. And it's a flooded all-weather. It's it's cameraed. The state-of-the-art cameras on it as well. So so you can watch back on the training? Yeah, the, for, the, for the match analysis for training as well. Anything that we need now, we have it. Like I said, we have match analysis that sports scientists that work here on a full-time basis so they can, they can get anything they want, pull up anything they want and show the players where they're improving or, or what they have to work on, yeah? Uh, and over the far side, we can walk over there as well. You have the small-sided pitch over here at the very, very top of the seven-sided pitch. Yeah. Then the, the, the first-team trainer pitch on the top of the which is which is a regular 11-sided pitch as well for the weekend. So you have grass, you've got astro, you have everything pretty much that you need. Yeah. Yeah, look, we're, like I said, it's it, it's second to nothing in the country, really and truly. You know, when anyone that comes here, it's it's gonna be a cup final for them every single time they come. It's it's that important, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a huge benefit to every single one. And we've a new strength and conditioning coach, so I'm guessing he's gonna be putting them through their paces as we walk up here towards the all the outdoor gear as well. So this will be all weather, I, pre- I presume, and there'll be a lot of TRX and conditioning and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Donnelly is there. There, as you call it, strength and conditioning, it's it's developed into another fancy term now. It's no longer strength and conditioning; it's athletical development, is what's called. Oh, what? <laughs> that's yeah, a new one. I've never heard of yeah, athletical development. Athletical development, yeah, sure. It would probably be called something else in a couple of years' time. I'll be worried about. It. Um, no, but it own was, you know, with Pat Dean's own uh, ran the the strength and conditioning athletical development program uh, of the academy. Uh, and when Darren stepped back to, to work in his business, Owen has now stepped up to work with the force team. And uh, Owen's phenomenal now, I have to say. His knowledge is, his, his knowledge is unbelievable, you know. So yeah. he's, 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 doing, he's at PhD level in, in athletical development. So every single player that's inside the academy and now the force team as well, he's putting in individual programs for everybody. So everything is measured here, you know. So, so he's one of those evangelists, you could say, in his field. Well, he, in his field. In yeah, his field, expert, you know. Yeah, he's an expert and he's always learning, which is which is a real expert who's, who's, who knows that he has to keep learning. And, yeah, so we have an outdoor rig here. That's that part of it locked up, unfortunately. But the, you know, all the equipment that we need is is, is based in here, and uh, the weights for the racks. So the lads could do their their, their plyometrics, or they can do their their squats. So know, there's always something the for them to do. Well. You, never, you shouldn't be idle if you're. Well, look, we, I'll, I'll give you an example. Right? I'll give you an example. The, the gym that you just left from indoor earlier on, the girls were training that on a Monday evening. All right, but they'd come up here on a Thursday night at seven o'clock prior to their training sessions, and they do their second gym session a week right and some of the lads here are doing two and three sessions a week in terms of gyms that are but the time they get to the force team they're so physical and strong like they're huge and yeah the, the, the gap between a, a youth player and a force team player is is, is closing but that, it needs to goal. really doesn't yeah, it because a 16 year old could immediately be yeah. put into the force team as you've seen that with Oidemo and, and, and uh, you know physically they're unbelievably strong and, and they're so well developed so that's the whole point behind this it's a professional but the whole the whole um 
the whole program is measured and that's that's why it's so successful you know, yeah because we can reproduce measured them. monitored and, yeah, and tracked all the time the whole lot that's why you have pat deans and you have owned only like these guys are exceptional at that type of stuff you know and they put in amazing programs all right through from the bottom the the, the small small sort of games all the way up to the first team and that's it's now we have a congruency everybody's going the same direction that's the most important thing you know and it's measured that's the most important and even now talking about measuring we have the pitch being measured right now it's been yeah, yeah. tended to by two groundsmen it's like yeah. uh it's like a billiard table this is so it's it's a really impressive setup and walk over and have a look at it we're, we're, we're gonna go over now i won't think i'll get a game tony but it's it looks impressive you got the dugouts everything is set up it's, it's really really impressive and i'd encourage anybody just to get down and even just have a look at the roadstone so we've, we've got the young lads here to the left they're playing i think they're playing heads and volleys our world cup i don't think they even call it that anymore tony but it's good to see the young lads out on a friday morning playing ball and like i said it's like a it's like a, a billiard table here so what we're looking at tell us what we're looking at here tony so to your right is the seven side the small side of the pitch right so um again look you can see the quality of it and that's what the kids get from from the off they get to play on that type of a surface um you can see the dugout st structure everything that's come here teams that come here they're just blown away by it so oh we so we start off the way we mean to go on they play their five side on the all weather here but they play their seven side here again it's like i said it's 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 exactly what should be it's rovers it's the standard and it's always going to be that way you know so the the grants that we've uh, received now we're going to have a a fully floodlit grass pitch here so two sets of floodlights in the yeah, row stone yeah, yeah. and the other one's going to go in it's going to go into the grass pitches the grass behind pitch it there, yeah. so sorry. that's where all the, that's where all the training goes down as well so it's it's pretty much everything that we have and uh, rovers need to progress as a club well you know it, it is a great setup but you can imagine the evolution that floodlight grass pitch is going to give us mm. you know in terms of the you know what the matches that we can play midweek and all that kind of stuff or whatever we need to do we can do now going forward that's a that's that's a real game changer i think you know so again it's progressive rovers is, is always progressive and that's why it's great to be a part of it you know so tony listen thanks for your time and uh we'll uh, we'll leave it at that thank, thank you Ray. yeah so uh very happy with that probably it was just it was fascinating that he's actually lecturing kids as well in there and he's teaching them how to be adults so i was happy with it yeah, that that was a great interview. Um, I was quite fascinated by the uh, just talking about kids standing up and and speaking and giving you know reports and projects and stuff. And he called it a, a fight, flight, or freeze. And uh, I thought to myself, I wish I'd been taught that as a kid yeah. because I spent spent the first twenty five years of my life terrified of public speaking. Yeah, yeah. For your debut mm. was the book launch. Yeah. Uh, and he used this word a few times, didn't he? Evangelist. I love this because this is something that I wouldn't use the word evangelist now. I I didn't, but I think it's it's the right term because when when you're trying to organise something, you go you hone in on that one person that you know you can trust and they feel the same way instead of being bounced around. Like for instance, Fergal in the four provinces, same mentality. Wanted to brew the beer, wants to have the nights. I deal with him, things get done. Certain individuals and in other groups that are involved with rowers certain individuals outside of groups are involved rovers. you deal with that one person that you know you can go to and you will get shit done and I think that's ultimately what, what went on with Tony as well with his evangelists it was fantastic listening to him uh, how he builds these relationships with the affiliate clubs uh, how he goes how he goes about uh, it's, it's very he's very realistic like you're you're showing ideas at him and he's saying yeah that is a good idea but it needs to be given the care it deserves. Yep. Don't just throw it out there and expect someone else to do it. If I'm going to give them an idea, I have to spearhead it and get like-minded people or evangelists involved and get it done. 
Yeah. Like it's it's pretty much saying put up or shut up, you know. So you put the question to him, I think that was actually one of mine. Uh given the size of Tala, are we actually underperforming? Mm. Now some might say that's an unfair question. Yeah. But I I've heard a lot of people say that. That we underperform. Considering the examples they gave him with the likes of Hernavine with the small amount of the people they have, mm. they're getting eighteen thousand every year mm. average. We can work on it and get there, you know. But you made the point that we, we're still relatively new. Yeah, we are. 2009. But it, it sounds like he's doing fantastic work. He's been around a long time. He knows what he's talking about. So uh, I enjoyed your your walk and talk around Rosestone. It, yeah, it was all right. Was um, end. I, I presume people adjusted their volume accordingly for the last 20 minutes because Gary started eating the microphone. Yeah, I have, I tend to get hungry at these interviews. What did I tell you about eating the microphone? Well, the, the, the roving reporter mode, it, it's different. It was all right at the start. We no longer have a strength and conditioning coach. We have athletical development. I know, yeah. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Athletical <coughs> development. So, very interesting stuff. So, brilliant and well done to Tony. We'll be working with him on a couple of things coming up. So, Prof, next up. Stan Levens and predictions. So Stan Levens and predictions, Prof, I'm going to hit you hard with this one and I don't think I have any changes. Grace Pico hard at the back, Manison goal. I'm going to stick with Lions on the left because you can't drop him after a performance like that against Bowles in the month that he's had playing on the left. I, I mean, but I want Cavill win as well. You know, is Cavill, why didn't Cavill start the last game? So does Finn get dropped here? <coughs> Ooh, I might change it. I think Cabo might come back in for one of those double headers where he retains the squad again. But at the moment, how do you drop Lions? How do you drop Unless, Unless you put Cabo on the left and Lions on the right. If you look at the way he uses Finn now, Finn won't start every week. So that could be a, ch- a chance to put Lions on the right. Do you know what? I'm doing it. I'm putting Cabo on the left. I'm dropping Finn. And it's not dropping him. <clears throat> Giving him a little rest. And Lyons is going he's on the He's the right. new Joey, isn't he? <laughs> the new Joey Lyrest. Yeah, he played once every seven weeks. So that's that's it. I'm, I'm I'm moving it over. But of course, Richie and late run Richie and Gary O'Neill in the middle. Absolute piss taker, mm. Gary O'Neill. He just bubbled the piss boiler himself. Piss boiler supreme. He's going to start in the middle. And Danny Jack and Gaff. I can't uh, I can't stray away from any of that. But Cavo on the left and Lyons on the right. Finner takes a little break. Comes in to maybe push on. We'll see what happens and how the game goes. And I'm going to go... I think these are struggling at home. They lost two on the trot at home. They struggled against UCD. They drew two all. I think we're going to win. I'm going to go 2 0. I'm going to go 2 0. I'm going to go Pico header. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Richie Tell to Nabble. 2 0. Yeah, I'm going to go the same team. You were you're following my train of thought there with the wing backs. And uh, I'm under pressure here now because I've been getting my scores right oh, lately. Okay. Um, I'm going to say a 2 1 win. Uh, I'm going to put Tell on the score sheet as well, as well because I think he's due a goal and Pico because we said Pico's due a goal definitely due a goal so Pico from another Jack Brown corner and uh, late run Richie the score so 2-1 so uh, allocation was 5.50 mm-hmm. and the usual like we're all trying to run buses but we're wondering maybe the move from Saturday to Friday has this affected interest. Plus, it's on RTE, of course. Yeah, but there's, yeah, it's on RTE. That's killing us. But I think <laughs> ultimately, like Derry and Harps are always on, t- on Fridays as well, and it never makes a difference. So 
But Sligo is traditionally a Saturday. People make a weekend out. Not, well, people. Many do, let's say. Many make a weekend out of harps, I suppose. Uh, like you you often bring the family to this one don't you yeah and, yeah that usually we go down and have a bit of grub yeah. in the town and stuff like that but not this time prof we are full to the brim on the 50s bogey bus well, I find it strange um, we only have three away days essentially this season so after this we made we made a big point of it there's not going to be one for a while unless you count draw the uh, next month I was thinking of going for that one actually because it's something we don't really run a bus because it's just down the road but if we run one mm. I guarantee it'll be a There'll be, be a bit of appetite for the book. Yeah, no, I take your point. I mean, those games are on Friday. But, so, there's this... Interest isn't as strong as you would think. No. It's a strange one, It's a right. strange. Thankfully, Mr. Away Day is back. Mooner. Big Moon, man. Moon Dog. Moon he's Dog. He's back. Smoke Spice Daily. Is that the first time he's ever been called Moon Dog? I don't know, but it's a, it's a funny one. Uh, Derry away to Pats, so this... Two big ones, man. Potentially a big weekend here. I'm not going to jinx it. And uh, yeah, so prop has news, prop, <coughs> hit me. Hit me with your news, prop. Yeah, we have, uh, we are launching a competition to win a Rovers jersey signed by everyone in the 2021 squad. Big things, prop. And it's actually a funny story how I ended up with this jersey. Uh, I'll reveal that in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, so the idea is that the money for this who en- people who entered this competition money goes to the Owen Cost fundraiser uh, remember that game is in Melton Melick on Saturday May 4th yep so <clears throat> so the idea is uh, I, I put out a question everybody enters the competition you try and guess as close as possible to the number you all uh, pay a fiver at the end of the competition the winner gets the jersey the money goes to the fundraiser. Yeah, and it's going to be brilliant. I mean, it's a re- it's it's a signed jersey from a league winning team, steeped in history, and it really is a cracker. So, yeah. So I have a question for the Rovers fans. It's unlikely that anyone will know the answer to this. So it really is about getting as close as possible. Um. So here it is. And Be I will prepared to go into the rabbit hole. Oops. I will clarify what I mean by this. As well, after I tell you what the question is. And there'll be a thread on, on Robert's chat Thursday night, probably. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. The question is, how many players have played for the Shamrock Rovers first team in a competitive match since we've moved to Tala? Ridiculous question. Ridiculous question. This is going to get people <coughs> buried into Wikipedia. <laughs> Shout out to Ray Whedon Sr. This was his idea, this question. So hopefully we're going to raise every yeah. as much money as possible. We're going to get a rev. Mm. We'll have more details when we go live with this. We will tell you all the details, how to rev it over, and we'll get this donation yeah. sent over. Quick, Just a couple of quick notes. Yes, Leinster Senior Cup does count. No, Rovers B and Rovers 2 in the first division. They don't count. Yep. So compared to first team games since Tata 2009... They don't have to play it in Tata Stadium. It can be home or away. Uh, so yeah, I'll start that thread in Robert's chat. Revolute guard the fiver by midnight of the Harps game. Uh, so we will put it on our socials. We'll lash it yeah, out there and we'll, we'll, we'll put it in. And put in the note, in your Revolute note, what your guess is. Big one. Make sure you do that. And if you don't, if you <coughs> forget, you'll have to text me. But put it in your note. 
Put it in the note. Your guess. If you don't have Revolut, you can see me or Gary and Sligo. Give Probably us, not a good idea to give us money yeah. in Sligo. Like, if you want, you give us the money and give us your guess. I'll write it down. I'm Where's sure. Where's Gary and Carl? Dude, <laughs> in the pub. <laughs> it's only one, Dan Lambert. <laughs> yeah. Or the next home game, Harps. Gary will be in the south stand. I'll be in the west stand. Uh, in the meantime, pop into the Megastar. Get your 2022 home kit, away kit, leisure range, replica match ball. But don't get your Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. As advertised by Cotter and Finner. Because fuck Manscaped. Yeah, fuck Manscaped. And Celtic. My balls are hairy. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, we will be marching from <clears throat> the Garavogue Bar. <clears throat> if you want to come and march, take over Sligo Town. That's where all the fans are meeting. The Garavogue Bar in the middle of the Sligo City Centre, which I've been told doesn't exist. They don't have a city centre. Mm. Garavogue Bar. We're going to leave there at quarter past seven. We're going to march to the showground. It's a kilometre, 15 minute walk. All 400 of us marching down, taking over the town, making a statement. And we're going to march into that ground and take three points as well, Prof. So, Prof, we are coming up to 200 episodes. Um, hard to believe, isn't it? We've been ticking away for five years. So, 40 episodes a year and we're flying and it's being recorded soon. It's a secret. All for now. It's going to be a big one, Prof. It's going to be big. So, that's it. We will see you at the Garavogue Bar 7.15. March to showgrounds and take over Sligo and get the three points. And that is it, so keep on hooping. See ya. Oh, Romeo. Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Can I get locked up?